0: Of so Morelia Python Radio, and this is part two of Breeding Python. Yes, this year we're
1: bringing well, you two why? If we ever episodes. go to, like, did we ever have to do this? Like, was this ever before no. a when did, Yeah. Will we hurting on ratings if we had to like kind of stretch this one out and make it like a cliffhanger? <laughs> uh, no. Will our heroes survive breeding season? Tune in next week. <laughs> yeah, just to find out. <laughs> the answer is always no. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> By the skin of our teeth. Somehow Uh, we keep doing it.
0: Yeah, so it's a two-parter. So if you haven't listened to part one, I would suggest you go back. And uh, So we kind of went off on some tangents throughout that episode. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. um, Just about different things going into preparing yourself for things you have to think about that maybe you don't think about until they happen to you. And then you say, oh, shit, I wish somebody would have said this to me ahead of time
1: we just did but it's usually but it's also helpful because that's one of the things where when you're thinking about breeding season you're always like and then the snakes will get put together but that's like step six there are so many other steps before that to set you up for success so that's kind of where we went off on our tangents and now we're i think we're here where i think we ended the last episode with and now the snakes are together. It's yeah. like that's yeah. shit. <laughs> it was a lot. We,
0: we ended where they lock up. And yeah. I guess it is, you know, I guess I guess part of it is is like uh, you know, as me and Owen have been doing this now for what, 12 years, 10 years breeding?
1: I, my first breeding. A long season, time? <laughs> yeah, my first breeding season was 2000. My first python breeding season was 2009. Okay. And then yeah. my first snake breeding was 2005.
0: Right. So, so. it's been a while. You yeah,
1: A little bit, you know.
0: And each year, find,
1: <laughs> I, at least for me, you each year I ways. find I
0: learn something new or something that I didn't yeah. think about or some problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That I always, didn't know. <laughs> you will always learn something. Whether And right. most of the time, they're good things. Other yeah. times, soul crushing. But, yes, you will yeah. learn something.
0: Yeah, so we made it up till they lock up, yep. and I thought it would be good that we stopped there, and it just so happened that that was at the two-hour mark. Oh, coincidence! I know. I don't think
1: so. so. No, yeah, <laughs> gone are the um, years of when we do four-hour shows anymore. You know,
0: yeah, we're old. Oh, yep. I'm old.
1: <laughs> well, no, listen. You know, some of us are some of us are checking into the retirement home very soon. Others are mm. still looking at the brochure, but we're still getting right. close. I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're talking a few years at this point.
1: I mean, at this point, this this show has aged me horribly, so yes. it's.
0: Um, but we're gonna we're gonna. I thought it would be good to sort of hit on the spring breeder side yes. of things because um, it's a completely and,
1: different animal.
0: Yes, and take us all the way up to, like ovulation mm. and prelay sheds and all that kind of stuff, and then we're gonna go into that as applies to all because basically once you get eggs. It's kind of all the same, at least for carpet pythons. Right. So, so, um, yeah. So let's just get right into it. So diamond right. pythons. Okay. So disclaimer, I have not bred diamond pythons yet, Um, but I'm going to share with you what I'm going to do. Um, okay. A lot of my information has come from the diamond people that we've had on the show. People who have bred uh, diamond pythons. Correct. The yeah. Complete Carpet Python book. Uh, that's another one. Another good book. Um, which, uh, if, uh, well, I'm sure the new book will be out soon, but.
1: <clears throat> the new one isn't completely different. It's yeah. completely topsy turvy. What the hell is this? <laughs> we're all wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't breed them
0: that way, but I got eggs. Yeah. No. No. Ooh, incorrect. Wait, but I got
1: eggs. You did it wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess if you get eggs, you didn't. It do doesn't it matter.
1: I don't care what the <laughs> fuck you do. If yeah. you get eggs, you were successful.
0: Right. So we call them spring breeders because breeding occurs in springtime um, in Australia between September and November. Now you say here in America, September and November. Wait, Wait, that's not springtime. (laughs) That's fall. But remember, carpet pythons are from the southern hemisphere, so it is the opposite. (laughs) So when Australia... It, you know is uh, uh it's basically is september and november is when their spring uh, is that so basically right. the seasons are reversed yeah which is kind of cool for us as a podcast because we, it's like a perpetual season all the time so, right
1: and like right now i've been watching all the australian guys going oh, yes. another clutch of eggs and if i'm not paying attention it's early in the morning and somebody's like oh man look at these eggs i'm like who the fuck is getting eggs this time of year?" oh right <laughs> so yeah yes.
0: So um, Slip and Shine wrote a paper yep. um, that was about um, basically what they observed um, about diamond pythons and reproduction and, and stuff like that in the wild. Um, so it has been observed that unlike other carpets, male diamond pythons are tolerant of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been shown to share areas with um uh, you know, with females as well as other uh, males. Um, basically, it, I don't know if it's... It, I, I, what comes to mind when I think of that is sort of garter snakes, but I don't think it's the level of garter snakes. I, I you know don't think I mean? it is either. I think
1: it's just <laughs> yeah. the problem is... Because they're not hibernating. Right. Yeah. But when you have a place that, let's let's just say it gets really cold, <laughs> but then you have to get out where the sun is, and the sun's only going to really hit a few really choice places... You'll kind of cooperate with each other so everybody can get on the rock. So it's right. like, oh, they're all sitting in the same place. Well, yeah, because they—that's the place you need to go to to live. So right. it's
0: yeah. So diamond pythons sort of do, I guess you would say, brumation. Um, yeah, I mean, I not would really a hibernation close. like what happens in the, in the U.S. for like rattlesnakes.
1: Right, they're not going to hibernacula, know, and hiding underneath the ground for months. Yeah, right.
0: and I think it's probably because I. I I don't think that Australia, at least where these snakes are from, mm. get any type of weather like we do here. Say in northern America, North America,
1: like northern America, yes. America. yes, northern yeah. America, yeah. yeah. Um, are we talking like snow? Because part of Australia is going to get snow. Right? Well,
0: I know up in like the, the the mountains and stuff, they get snow, but right. I mean, and I'm sure that they probably have gotten snow down in the southern portion of Australia, but. I won't, I don't know if it's um, like is what it we experienced. It's like Colorado it where cold.
1: it's like, ah, it's June. Here's an inch of snow. Now it's 92. It's like, what is happening? Like, is it like Rob stone weather or is it like, which I still have to get my sign yeah. for back here of like how many podcasts we have had since Rob stone and I'll just tear it. So when he, <laughs> when he shows up, so yeah, but um, that, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, who do we know who lives in that area? That would be
0: mm. was it Peter
1: Birch that lives down
0: there? Peter Birch does live there, right? Um, anybody
1: else?
0: It's like a subtropical. So to so me, I think of it more as like what happens in Florida, right? Yeah, I'd
1: buy that. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> Just where basically it, turn the U.S. and flip it around, and that's what correct. They are. <laughs>
0: correct. Yes. Yes. So I, I'm going to go with the. I, I'm not hundred percent. But I don't think that they experience like, you know, n- like snow, like what we would get, uh, at least where the diamond pythons are found.
1: Right. right. Isn't it um, one? <coughs> what was the one like it, it isn't Tasmania like really cold, like colder than mainland Australia and stuff like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's further south. Yeah. yeah. Obviously uh, closer asked. to Antarctica, <laughs> or
1: Antarctica and Antarctica? Uh, Man, <laughs> you were having a bad yeah. day, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah. <Woo>. Yeah. <laughs> All right, regroup. Redo it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I would figure you'd probably have harsher climate in like, or at least harsher winter in places like New Zealand and Tasmania. But I'm not sure where the cutoff is. Like if, like let's say, if Australia was a little bit bigger of a continent, and if it was like drifting a little bit further south, would it be have areas that would experience mass snowfall. Does, mania get does snow? Australia get snow? <laughs> um,
0: um, yeah, the Central Highlands. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, okay. However, snow rarely settles at sea level. Uh-huh. Um, right. So, okay.
1: Okay. So that what... makes sense. and So I would agree with like what you were saying before. It does not doesn't sit there like three feet doesn't sit there and stay there for four days or right. weeks. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's not like what we got. So, <clears throat> so, um, one of the things that I, uh, that again, this is just a little tidbit, you take it as you will, you can use it, um, to your advantage when you sort of know how the, how they work or, um, so males are cued in to sort of, uh, f- uh, tr- uh, track down the females by chemical cues. Um, and when those feet, those receptive females are, you know, I guess, uh, moving around, those males are on the hunt for them. Um, as we seen with carpets, you know, like one of the tail, and we sort of talked about this in the last episode A telltale ah. sign is that once those males are cruising in their cage, yep. it's sort of a cue that things are moving in the right direction.
1: Right. Um,
0: so, um, you know, there was the in that study there was uh there were males, they moved over a hundred meters. Um it's also thought that females, you know, they lay every three years. Uh, and this is just due to the cost of the female's body. I think the study they did she will decrease weight by fifty percent. Um, so that's you know, and to put that's that back rough, on in man. the wild, it's not like um she's going to, you know, as soon as she gets off the clutch, there's going to be a nice white rat waiting for her
1: to take down. Somebody's going to be feeding her while she's sitting on the clutch. Like, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it takes that long for uh, a wild female to recover.
0: Yeah. Um, so with diamond pie, so what we're going to do is I'm I'm, right now, I'm just sort of talking about a little bit of natural history, but we'll get into like what I'm sort of going to do. But, um, uh, Diamond pythons, Bradley, and I would say Imbricata. Now, Inlands are sort oh, of this what? Wait, one.
1: What? What? You're, you're not going to include Inlands in this.
0: Well, the reason that I don't. So here's the question Go I ahead. have, and, and I'm sure that one of our lovely Australian. Um, Listener. listeners will uh in the know would probably reach out to us but my thought is it possible that inlands that are in the southern portion of the range right so it would be similar to where you would find like diamond pythons and 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 imbricata, like you know uh, in the same what would that be longitude right <laughs>
1: yes the latitude Long, launch yeah. lead yeah. yeah yeah right yeah. okay yeah
0: very good yeah so they're sort of right. from that same type of climate, um, right. Where they're 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 in the southern portion of Australia. Uh, obviously, is on the opposite side. Breadlie is sort of in the middle, um, mm-hmm. but they're in a desert, so it gets cold at night, right? Um, and it's warmer during the day. But we'll get into that. So I, I, I'm wondering if it's possible that the more northern species of Inlands, uh-huh. um, reproductive. Um, Ways are sort of similar to what you would find in a coastal carpet, which is maybe why you sort of have luck with some people stuff. have luck with it yeah. sort of either way. Just the thought.
1: I, I mean, know. I would I would say it's a possibility. I would say that right. it, it's all going to go back to that thing that we talked about last time where it's the let's say you need three things to get your female to go. And it's any mixture of the seven things that might affect them. So it's right. yeah.
0: It could be that too. It
1: right. That too, so, you know? who knows? But yeah.
0: So in the wild, inland's are breeding in the spring, right? They're laying that's... eggs midsummer, and the hatchlings are emerging late uh, summer, early fall, right? right? So similar to what, to what we find... do
1: here, in, in red and diamonds and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah,
0: similar. Also similar to what diamonds do in the wild, right? And also similar to what imbricate does, in the right? World.
1: Because that's that's the, <coughs> that's the best time to have the babies hatch.
0: Right. Right. Um, so, so, they're gravid, so the, there was a gravid female that was observed in the wild at the end of December. And I think this is where they thought that it, this would suggest that the, the, that they would lay their eggs in midsummer, um, <sighs> sort of uh, time frame. So, so there's that. So inland's, I don't know, I, I'm sort of gonna, I, I sort of have
1: sort of a mix them. of the two. So yeah.
0: they're in my right now, currently they're in my main snake room. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where. Oh, that's right where, trying
1: in ones here.
0: Yeah. Oh. So the female mm-hmm. is on the bottom of the room, so she's close to the floor. Yeah. So it's sort of like this. You're, you're naturally.
1: Kinda, <laughs> you're, you're 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 treating her like a spring breeder, but also kind of not treating yeah, her like right. a spring breeder. I get what Correct. you're doing. You're straddling the line. And hey, right. that, listen, if that works don't fucking change it like, it's a, <laughs> like if, if that works don't next year go now i will make you colder who cares like it yeah, works I know. right <laughs> um
0: so i guess that my success this year with them will uh determine exactly. going well,
1: to stay. you know and that's something that you know we, we we say that what you should do is uh stick stick to something and do it and consistently keep doing it right um but like, I think what you should do is when you start changing things, definitely change things, you know, a little bit by little, don't try to, don't do the main, the first thing, don't start inconveniencing yourself and doing major stuff. The first year you're going to try, because then if it works, then you're going to have to keep doing all that crap. (laughs) Right. And maybe only one of those things was the trigger. So try this. And then if it works, stick with it. (laughs) And then if it doesn't work, then push it a little bit. Like don't start with the whole feet freezing them outside and shoveling snow into their cage. Like that'd Wait, be a that, dumb thing work? to start. It doesn't work. Maybe.
0: Um, so, so, okay. So that's a little bit of the natural history of right. inlands and, and uh, diamonds. Right. Um, I, I think the difference with diamond pythons in particular, and I think this also will apply to Bradley mm. and we'll check this in a minute, but males, Right. I would say three to four years of age. Yeah. Um is about the time. Now I, I've heard of people maybe doing it younger, whatever. Like we said, it really doesn't hurt the male. Yeah. But I think because they're they're such they're they're so different in how it well. We'll get into this. So let okay. me talk about how you how you sort of keep them. So okay. normal times, like normal time, how I keep them is we're looking at an ambient of sixty eight to seventy seven, you know, somewhere somewhere in the high seventies to
1: the high six. that's the cool that's side ambient amb- temp, whatever. Yeah, right.
0: That's the ambient gotcha. temp, right? Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And that would be twenty to twenty five Celsius, right? So the thing is, is that they have a hot spot of about eighty eight to ninety two. Yep, uh, which would be, that would be Fahrenheit, 31 to 33 Celsius.
1: Um, that would be freedom height or eagle units. But yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and sort of the, the, the key to with Diamond Pythons, right, is yep. that differently than carpets is that, like normal carpets, is you sort of reduce those temps as well. So right. you reduce those ambient temps. You don't reduce the basking temp. Mm-hmm. You reduce the time of uh, the basking is available.
1: What I like to what I like to use it as is what I do with the bread light is the, like so most of the year they're like this, where their right. hot spot is is only a couple degrees away from what the ambient room temp is, and then right. as winter goes, that gap between the two temperatures just keeps expanding because okay. the night drop is going to get worse, but the hot spot is going to get is going to stay the way it is. So. Okay. All of a sudden, this one that is that just drops down here. so this the hot spot remains the same, but the right. gap between their nighttime low and right. their daytime high just gets huge and right. that is what ends up triggering them to actually get going so
0: right so <clears throat> unlike with regular carpets where their ambient temperature stays the same and their hot spots stay the same during the day, right right? diamond pythons you reduce the The ambient temperature um and so this is why i've always said that i believe that diamond pythons are one of the not that all carpets or all pythons wouldn't utilize or have some sort of um you know value from um like a UV hotspot type of a cycle, mold. kind of a deal, yeah. Um, yeah, but using like a light as a cycle, as opposed to say a radiant heat panel or underbelly heat or something like that, where I think that they're just baskers, you know. It's 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 really ingrained in them to sort of bask, and and my observations have been that they utilize that more than any of the carpets that I have, and they're very sort of. In a way, that's sort of smart about it, where they know mm-hmm. when that temperature is going, going to go. Like they sort of learn the cycle.
1: I, I would love <laughs> to try an experiment where. All right. Well, now in a in a magical world where embracada are available, would you right. keep embracada just like a diamond? I think I would. Okay. Now I think I would. I would love to see if you got, like, say, you got diamonds and you got inlands this year. I would love to see what would happen if you raised an inland like just grabbed one from the clutch and raised it with the diamond pythons, like the I same was way and see, yes, this, see yeah. if it starts learning the cues of the sun and all that shit. Then it's like, right. are the, are the diamonds smart or are we just giving them like the light? I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. I,
0: I, yeah. I'm not saying that that's like, so let me just clarify that. Yeah. I'm not saying that like, you know, that they're on some level where... They're a mystical you know.
1: dragon that sits on a stick, right? Yeah, exactly, got it. They're
0: not chondros, I mean, come on.
1: Come, <laughs> come now. But, yeah. but yeah, like, would would a snake in those parameters learn what it would need to do to survive? I think it
0: would. I mean, I, I think it's just... I think they're just, d like, in their DNA or however their function, uh, their, their, their basic instincts are to, to heat up. This is yeah. why it's thought that they're... They're blacker than other carpets so that uh-huh. they can absorb that you know, that sun. Um, if you listen to the episode with the Reptile Fight Club, I think this is where Justin was getting at, that, that diamonds are a little bit different, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're different. Right. Um, so, so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, just like I said, slowly start reducing the temps, right? On the same uh-huh. sort of cycle. So like understand that the carpets and the diamonds are going to be cycling at the same time, right. cycling a little bit differently. However, when you do introductions and, and when you're going to get eggs, is going to be what's different, right? So yeah. um, the daytime uh, temps are lowered, like I said, to about 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 to 21 Celsius. But the basking temps remain unchanged. But the access is reduced down to about five to six hours. Right. Um, basically, you do this for about one to three months, one and a half to three three months before you gradually start increasing the temps back to normal um, about three to six weeks after bringing the temps back up, you know, um, you know, you try to feed them a little bit, get them going, let them know that things are around. I think I I think you've talked about the so with with Bradley is that like once that once they eat once they sort of go into a shed like the female will go into it, a shed
1: what what ends up happening is so i, I drop mine down and Bradley are one of those weird things where during the summer months they're like orange and red and gorgeous winter right. comes and they're just brown and black and drab and the problem is with the breadly is that they'll never turn off of the food i've been hit more times by my bread during winter, because I just go into autopilot, I'm like, get water bowls and carpets to leave you alone, because they're all cold and tired and don't right. want to deal with shit. <laughs> and then you open up the bread lye's cage and they're keyed up, turned on, and they hit you right on the hand and wrap you, and it's like, cool, that's fun. But with the bread lye, when you bring them up, the they're always my first ones to eat when things start warming back up. Right. Uh, boys and girls, doesn't matter. Uh, and then right after they eat, usually the female goes into uh, a shed Uh and then the male will also too. And then they'll peel. And that's when I'll start seeing copulation because I've put my bread lie, like I've wintered them together and I've seen locks in like January and like, you know, February. But when I get the eggs, the eggs aren't coming till like July or or, uh, June. So there's no chance in hell that the locks I saw in January were, Unless you retain the sperm the entire time, so right. uh, I don't know what those are doing, or if that's just because whatever they feel like it. But well, um, do you those... think that that?
0: So I know. Uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but you just said that you're putting them together, and sort of the fe- like. So in blood pythons, right? It's mm-hmm. been shown that putting a male with a female will get the female to sort of induce follicular growth. Do you yes. think
1: it's the same? Okay, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the act of locking up and breeding right also gets that going um but i would say that you don't necessarily see uh the results or eggs or anything until right. you get further in there so they'll cycle they'll lock up a few times and then they'll warm up as they're warming up they usually because I, I i cool them in the other room together in bring uh-huh. six foot cages and then i'll bring them back into the snake room when the temperatures hit a certain like rise up enough um right and then I'll separate them, feed them, and put them back together. Sometimes the that act of moving them and then separating them and then feeding them and then putting them back together right. like wipes the slate clean and they'll be locking up anyway. But I will see sheds out of males and females right at that right time of once they're come up and once they've eaten. So, right. and I, it's almost like, you know, when you offer a male a meal right when they warmed up and they refuse, you're like, ah, good. You're on point. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, I've never seen a breadline male turn down a meal. Like uh, they'll be like, I doesn't care.
0: Well, what's what's crazy about the diamonds, right? Is in particular when they are even at that cold state. As yeah. long as they have that access to that basking area, yeah. Um, they they still eat. They're still active. They're still yeah. like you know, which it's is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because it's hard to wrap your brain around a python at fifty degrees. Well, right? we talked about
1: how. Like, we know they need the heat for digestion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But what is the minimum amount of heat, the minimum temperature they need to properly digest?
0: Well, I think it's been said that it's in the like 82, right. 83. Yeah.
1: So you just got to get the body temp of up course. into the 80s. So right. even if the basking the, the, the time is cut yeah. down by so much, as long as it hits a certain point where they can get that temperature into the 80s, I think they're going to be like, Bolly. Like, yeah. and that's just where it is, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I would think that, and again, this is just my thought, and this yeah. is not, there's no fact behind this, but my thinking would be that, like, I would think that in the wild, They're particularly,
1: not <laughs> right, you know they <laughs> they billion. Like, right. Said, I, I I was, I was on my Instagram today, I think, Uh huh. and there was an adult carpet python, very dark, and it broke into some outdoor guinea pig hutch, and okay. it ate all the guinea pigs, right to the point where it couldn't get out of the hutch. After it ate all the guinea pigs, and then the hutch got too hot, and the and the snake, fried. It died. So by the right. time, I forget who whose Instagram it was on. I would love to give you a shout out. But by the time the snake removal person arrived, snake was dead, and it was just they laid it out, and it was just full of like from about midway down the neck was just nothing but lumps of oh, all the guinea pigs that it just ate. Wow. And you're telling me that this thing, <laughs> I don't think any car, any Python will refuse any right. kind of meal at any point, right. you know, especially like a wild, oh, of course, python. a wild you one. Know I mean? yeah. like, listen, <laughs> yeah. listen, a female sitting on an egg and a bird comes flying up. I'm going to kill that thing. And I'm going to eat right. it. Like, I don't think they eat on their eggs. No, no, no. There's just nothing that ever comes in front of them within striking yeah. distance. So, I, I
0: would, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I think that the only difference would be is if they know that they. I mean, I wonder. Well, I guess this would be more of a question. I wonder if they know how much energy they have and have to use. <sighs> so if they, so obviously, if they're going to digest something, right. they're going to have to utilize.
1: Well, you know, also, it's the thing of like, are they warm enough to expel the energy to hunt and kill right. something? So, let's say they warmed up on the rock and on their way back to their nice spot that they want to curl up in and kind of chill, something scurries across them. I guarantee you that snake hits that anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good question that I don't think that people know the answer to. I would right. think we that, should
1: solve it. We should get cameras and follow diamond bigger, pythons uh, for a year.
0: My thought that if there was a difference, right, I I would think that pythons in the more steady tropical by the equator, where the temperatures really don't fluctuate that much, yeah. uh I mean, it's been shown that water pythons are leaving their eggs before they're they're done hatching because they're fine, yeah, right. You know, so and they still hatch out, and that's in the wild. So I would imagine that if a meal comes along for something like that, that they definitely are going to take advantage of that now. The thing that I would be thinking about, like that cold weather python, is it going to be able to?
1: Withstand? It's not gonna be able leave. I mean, is it gonna be, yeah, and how yeah. is
0: it going to digest that meal or whatever? I don't know. It's a good question. We'll it's, have to ask somebody that knows more
1: than us at some point. We have to ask smarter <laughs> people, yeah, yes, yeah. But, <laughs>
0: I'm sure if Scott's listening to this, he will. He's probably uh, definitely... yelling at his
1: car radio yes. again because this is one of those ones where he can't get to us. But he'll just yeah. send us messages later. Be like, "Listen, goddamn you, yanks, you morons!" Like, Dear, morons. Dear ah, morons. Ah, yes, <laughs> another letter from Scott.
0: <laughs> I mean, Eric and Owen. <laughs> I
1: mean, I mean you two. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, Anyway, I don't know. Again, we're going off on tangents a yes, little bit. It, what, I don't know how we're so,
1: just please God reel it in.
0: So, um so so okay, so we're we're, we're dropping the temps. Yep. we're bringing it back up. Yep. They they're coming back up and now you got about 3 to 6 weeks where you're bringing them up, probably I'd say about a month, right? So we're looking yeah. at probably March yeah. you're going to start warming them up. Yes. Um maybe a little bit before. It really just kind of depends Ooh. on the weather. I mean, from what I've seen Thank from you. people in our area, it's sort of like if the weather, if the, the winter it's a ends early, March.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, but then we seem to get these sneaker uh, snowstorms that come in like mid March, like just wallop
1: us. You know, listen, don't if it's a if, if you're like I, you need to be fluid because if you're like I will raise temps March third, and you look at the thing and it's like you're suspected to get three feet of snow. Wait till I like, get Don't go yeah. downstairs and attempt to raise temperatures when right. Yeah, so be fluid about it.
0: I would think that probably I've watched the weather more (laughs) in my life from breeding pythons than I ever worried about the weather in my day-to-day life, right? No,
1: no, you've looked at things, as a python breeder, you've looked at things you never would have thought you would ever paid any fucking attention to. What lunar cycle is it, Eric? (laughs) Lunar cycle. Ah, yes. Yes. (laughs) Good. Like, you know, I'm sitting there. I I, I remember when I was still working for dad and I'm sitting there and I'm leaving the post office and everybody's running around like crazy because there's some sort of bomb cyclone coming in. Dad's like, we should probably close up early. I'm like, yes. Yes, I can go home and throw all the snakes together. Like I was <laughs> You're right, I agree. Like it was all that kind of stuff. Where, you know, th- that's the shit that, you know, I'm more excited about that crap. And that's the stuff you pay attention to. And you're right. Sometimes when you separate, like you warm up and you put everything together in March. Yeah, I mean we had a weird like you've had snow flurries when it gets kind of warm, all of a sudden you'll have one or two days where it gets cold enough that there are some flurries that run around in late march right. kind of early april and right. i mean those those are great usually everything's locked up at that point so right. yeah
0: yeah so you know as, as those so as the temperatures are coming up you're mm-hmm. the females yeah. growing the follicles and at this point's where the introductions. Now with with this, I always do males into females cages. I just think that the male is cruising, looking for the female. Yeah. Female has all that scent and stuff within her cage. This is why I think we talked about in the last episode where like, you're cleaning, but you're not cleaning.
1: You're not cleaning. Cleaning. Like you're right. I this last weekend is I did a I did a major clean on a lot of the female stubs. I checked all the boxes. Scrubbed right. everything down with – we're talking like bleach. We're talking Dawn dish soap and stuff like that. Everything got scrubbed because now I'm just going to be doing spot cleaning, if, especially if they only have – like if they have mulch cages and stuff like that. It's right. going to be spot cleaning until probably springtime. And then okay. a lot of us stuff like paper, I'm going to change the papers, but I'm not going to touch the insides of the hide boxes unless right. they're outside of the hide boxes. So. Right. Want them to be comfortable. You're like same deal. Want it to smell like her. And it should be that cage is the, the, it, she should have home field advantage right. because he's going to look for her. If right. I take her and throw her in his cage, it's all going to smell like him, and that's no good. Plus, it helps with it being her cage because he's smelling her all over the place. You can kind of also fake him out with other male scents and stuff right. like that, like throwing the shed in there and things right. like that. So the only time I would ever necessarily put animals in a in a male's cage would be it would not be that male it would be a different male and then a female kind of a deal.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that we're saying that it had like it I'm sure that, that there's been people that have done it the other way, right? I'm sure that it's happened.
1: Yeah, I mean he'll find th- her, but yeah,
0: <laughs> I think it's like you want to try to utilize every instinct that those animals have in order to get them to breed. Right. right.
1: Um, and also, I mean, I would say that out of the two animals in the pair, you have the male and the female, it's okay to stress the boy out a little bit, you know, yeah. it's like, he's, yeah. he's going to do what he's going to do. And then he's going to go back to his cage, have a nice rat and go to sleep for several months. You know right. the females got to do all the other shit after he leaves. So right. if you're gonna, <laughs> if one of them is gonna get stressed out during the breeding part, make it him. Like it's fine. You'll right. be all right.
0: So, yeah, and this is why we said in the, uh, in episode one that right. um, you know breeding is very stressful just all around. I oh, mean, you said just, what was
1: the thing they said lost? Like what was the percentage of the diamond python weight loss? Fifty percent. Fifty percent. Right. And you know what? That's a healthy. Ready to breed animal fifty percent. Yeah, that's why we. That's why we we're saying last episode. If you're on the fence, don't do it. Like it's right. yeah,
0: yeah. That and and they do look they horrible. Do look do pretty, pretty bad, yep. especially with maternal incubation, incubation. And we'll 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 get, we'll into, get into, into this. That. But um, so <clears throat> we put the fe- we put the male into the female's cage. I'm assuming right. you do this with Brad- Bradley too, right? Yes, I
1: do. Yeah. You know, okay.
0: Um. Put the mail. So I've read. I don't know if I'm going to approach this like I do my other pythons, um, like other carpets, where I just leave them together and set and forget type of deal. Um, But with diamonds, it seems to, to say that you should keep them in there for a few days, pull them out, and put them back. Pull them out for a couple days, put them back. So do what do you do with, with the Bradley?
1: I do that with everything, to be honest. Really, with you, is I put them okay. all in for several weeks, and then I will separate for a day because then I'll feed. Okay. Because if my females will eat during these during this time, I yep. want them to. Because that's that's sure the calories in. That's fuel to the fire. That's that's they won't look as crappy after the eggs. That maybe might be some bigger, healthier eggs. So I'll do that. So they will be separated for. I think 48 hours because then they eat and I give everybody a chance to kind of digest a little bit. Then right. everybody goes back in. Um, so that happens probably every two weeks, something like right. that. Um, now, do
0: you notice your males are feeding
1: some will. consistently when some you do will. that or yeah. some will, it's like a 50, 50 shot type it, of thing. It's one of those things where I always have the one where he just is so, so keyed in. He doesn't give right. a shit. I can hit right. him with a rat, but <laughs> right. most of my boys, um, will eat because i usually i keep my boys on the lean side where it's like they get okay. small rats yep. whenever i feel like it for their entire <laughs> lives <laughs> right so when i offer them food they're just like screw it it might not come again <laughs> like, <laughs> for, for a while <laughs> like and then they they're just, like you
0: know, wild carpets <laughs> exactly they hit it
1: they eat it and they're like okay but then there's never any problem like the worst thing i think you could possibly do would be to like get your mail and be like you're normally on smalls i'm going to give you a large because then he's useless for weeks like it would be that so right um i would but i do like i said i do have some they i do have some boys that just don't give a shit they're all keyed in and they're all revved up the good thing is is that sometimes i feel like carpets or pythons in general have goldfish brain where it's like i pull him out of her cage he they, they both eat and then 48 hours later I put them back in and he's like, who the hell are you? (laughs) And then he's all (laughs) over her and stuff like that. It's like, you know, at one point they were on opposite ends of the cage and now he's spurring up her and I'm like, okay. So that's the other part too, where sometimes these random introductions. Right. And also my boys might be shedding. And maybe before I introduce the male back to the female, I throw a shed in there. So now he comes back in, he smells his girl, but there's somebody else who's been here and now he's all freaking out. So.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good thing to, 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 to bring up, right. If you yeah. put the, put the, put them together. Yeah. Um, one of the cues that I look for is like maybe when to separate them is sort of when they're not, not together, together anymore. Yep. You know, you'll see it to where they'll sort of lay together. They'll bass together. Um, you know, they, it's immediate. like the first time I was breeding carpets and I saw them together, I was like, Oh my God, it's a lot.
1: Like, no, you're it's, shaking it's the cage. <laughs> yeah. You're <laughs> No. <laughs> no. no, 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 no! It doesn't no, mean shit. No, no.
0: yeah. So I think I think basically from what I've read, again, this is just what I've read and how I'm going to approach it is yeah. that basically from now on with these introductions, it's basically a couple of months, which would yeah. be the same as what you would do with the winter breeders. It's just in a different time frame. So it's it's kind of hard for me because I'm so used to breeding pythons a certain way to think that now it's going to be different, right? I'm going to be breeding these pythons at this time of the year. And then when that sort of cycle is done, right, this, mm. the, the winter breeders are breeding in January, February, March, and then I'm going to start breeding the spring breeders in March,
1: it April, helps, May. It helps when you have other shit, because let's put it right. this way. I, I would be doing the carpet pythons and all that stuff. And then after the carpets, cause um they would start coming up in, March, stuff of that. And I get my first couple clutches of uh, carpet pythons in like uh, April, May, which, you know, I I always had this one female that would just breed like immediately. (laughs) Like Then the (laughs) eggs would be like, she was the first one to breed, first one to lay the eggs. And she was like, all right, here's your shit. Give me my rat. I'm like, all right. So I would have eggs from that point. But then, you know, collier birds are coming up in March. And then right. you feed them like crazy. And then right. you're doing introductions and stuff like that. So those seasons would kind of go past the carpet season. Right. So plugging lie in is just almost like I plugged them in more with the birds than I did with the carpets. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think this is why people think, you, you know, I think the key with these species is mm. the getting that cold temperature. They
1: need it. Like I have and they need it where i i've had a couple times i've had a couple people say like oh man i dropped mine down to like 55 i'm like well how long they're like a day i'm like they need a little more yeah like right. and and i know that everybody is like i don't know if i should they'll be fine it hurts right. but you'll be fine but yeah it does <laughs> it's not even that like i think i i think i have one week where they're at their lowest temp is 55 okay and then I'll spike it a little bit. So it'll be in this week where their lowest temp is 55, and then maybe one night I'll drop it five more degrees to, like, 50, and then right. 55 for, like, that whole – I think it's two weeks. This is when I alter temperatures. Hold on. I have right. my thing here. No, it's every week is when I alter temps and stuff like that. So, yeah, from the 26th of December to the 1st of January, they are 55.
0: Yeah. I did a chart one time where, and I, this was obviously with the winter breeders, but Mm -hmm. like it goes over, uh, basically I want to say it's like a six to eight week.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's,
0: that's up and down.
1: That's January to February. I'm sorry. It's January 26th to February 1st. It dropped to 55 because then I'll start keep kind of ramping it back up, ramping it back up. And then the drop hits 65 around February 14th, which is again, we use holidays Valentine's right. Day. That's when you start getting ready to put the boys in and stuff like that. And then the yeah. male intros happen in end of February. And then they're back in the room by the end of February, March. But that's if I'm doing separate. Uh, I just keep wintering my bread lie together and it works. Because they keep right. doing one pair of bread lie a year. Right. Um, right. Which is fine. Uh, it's because my stonewash won't grow. Right. <laughs> they just.
0: But yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it's It's just, it's just different. So, so yeah, let me talk about that real quick. So it's like, I'm dropping, so say my, um, nighttime temps for, and and again, we're, we're kind of jumping back and forth, but we're talking winter breeders now. So nighttime temps would be like, say it's 78 for a week and Uh then it drops to 76 for a week and then it drops the next week to 74. And then to 72. Now that doesn't mean that it has to be exactly 72 degrees, right? There's going to be it some nights be. where it goes yeah. down to 70, and there's going to be other nights where it goes up to 74. Right. But my thermostat in my room on my you know heater is that's set, in there is, is set for that, you know. Yep. And sometimes um it won't get necessarily colder than that, but it's not going to get warmer. Warmer than that, that. exactly. You know, so but you're going to have fluctuations. And again, also knowing. the the areas of your room right Mm -hmm. um you know there's going to be certain areas like you know you'll hear some people talk about how well i sort of talked about it in this episode where they're putting some species closer to the floor Mm -hmm. because obviously it's going to be cooler down there than it would be at the top of your room um you know this is where having fans in your room circulating the air uh, pointing down to the floor and sort of circulating that all around will kind of keep a more I think the, the room that I seen, the, the two rooms that come to mind where I've seen it like really, really nicely done was uh, Keith McPeaks and Matt Minatola's, right. He's yeah. got fans in all the corners of the room. He's got thermostats on the bottom of the floor Right. and uh, you know, he on the top everything. of the floor and it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy how tuned in he is to their room, you know, both those guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so and then basically once I hit that that temp of like you know and again I'm shooting for seventy degrees as the cool um, ambient um, air at night for you know jungles, coastals, uh, IJs, um, I guess, inland's. We'll see how that goes, uh, and then it's gonna start to rise back up. So it goes up a couple degrees and a couple degrees until you're back to what your you know my ambient room is in the. 80s, right? So you yep. got a 10 degree swing, basically going down and then coming
1: back up. Back up, yep. So. And that's and that that's what you need. You need those kind of swings. Otherwise, they'll just don't get anything.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. And I, I I think it's not a shock to the system. I but I also kind of think, and this could be total bullshit. It could be mm. just in my mind, but I sort of think that those babies being exposed to those swings down at night, um, again, as long as they're exposed to Um, heat uh, Mm -hmm. during the day, I think that uh, you'll be okay. But I don't feed as much for babies during this time because, again, I don't want to worry about if they can't digest a meal or whatever Mm -hmm. the case would be. So I will offer food. I do from time to time, but there's no rhyme or reason to it. I just look at them. If they look like they're getting a little, eh, you look like you're a little thin. I'll throw them something. something. Yeah, And I'll usually use uh, smaller meals during this time. Yeah. For the, for the babies, you know. I, I um, give
1: smaller meals for everybody during this time because this is one of those you yeah. don't want to stress them out too much. And then also, oh. when I, everything's coming up for spring, again, like what I said, that's when you give them the smaller meals because you want yeah. them to eat, you want them to get the calories, but you don't want them to be sluggish. And yeah. then after breeding season's over, when everybody's now returned to their corners and she's already laid the eggs, that's when you can start feeding heavy. That's when you right. get the bigger meals out. That's when you can do. More meals at, at a time and stuff like that, and that's when you save it. So save the big meals for after breeding season, when after eggs. Yeah,
0: I slowly ramp up that too, get
1: right? Size this and stuff of like that. Size like, you know, and prep, right? Yep. Um, like, uh, I'll right before in August is when I'll do the females that could take a medium and or sorry could take a large, but are normally on mediums. That's when they get the largest. Like it's like that's right. when you kind of put them. That's when I give the female a trout. Like it's one of those things. So <laughs>
0: right. Um so basically at this point um it's just a matter of waiting for the female to ovulate right mm-hmm. I do here's a couple tricks that I've just done over the years um where I got I I went through the process um and I the female just didn't seem like she was going to go and it's <laughs> like I had other animals in the room that were ovulating and You know, ovulation is a weird thing because if you don't catch it in the time frame that it is, which is usually, what, 24 hours, um, you'll sort of uh, miss – you'll think you missed it, right? And basically, Uh she – you know, what would it be? Like the lower third of her body kind of swells up.
1: Yeah. um, It looks looks like she swallowed a rat, but she didn't. And I've been fooled with ovulation swells being – thinking that they were grabbed because they've been like in with each other. And I'm like, oh man, she's huge and they've got and I've got some locks, and then I separate them and then she shrinks back up. And I'm like, I screwed up. Like and that happens a bunch. So yeah. Um
0: but what I've done is that if I notice that she's not really moving in any type of way, is I will give her a small meal. And I've actually induced ovulation. Um, so they're feeding, yeah. From doing that, you know, yep. uh, feed her a small, small rat, maybe in a mouse. Sometimes I'll do mice. You know, I'll I will do, like do like a large mouse.
1: My um, favorite thing to do is, um, I get the bags of chicks, and yep. I'll just I'll throw them chicks because they'll yep. eat it. There's not that big sure. of a deal. It's not a rodent, right. and right. yeah, um, Keeper.
0: and <laughs> I, I don't really understand. I well, my I guess my thinking would be, and again, I, this is just speculation on my part, part. Mm-hmm. Um, is that maybe she felt that she didn't have enough resources? Maybe I didn't feed her enough going yeah. into the breeding season, and yeah. here it is. It's like, oh, okay, wait, there is food around, so I can, you know, use this energy in order to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. continue the the follicular growth and uh, to finally get eggs. Um, and also, the other thought is is that. Sometimes maybe it kicks in an instinct of, oh, wait, there's prey around, which means that there's going to be prey for the offspring. So I will sort of uh, go forward with uh, breeding. Yep. No. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. But that that's something that uh, if you sort of know. Well, I mean, what were the signs that – I Basically, I just had other people that were like telling me that they were getting ovulations and – you know, like other clearly. females in my room were ovulating <laughs> yeah. so i was like well what the hell and yeah <laughs> I just did it and
1: it kind of worked so i don't it's, know it's just a trick I, dude and i'm terrible at spotting ovulation as well i really am me so too so sometimes it's just and i mean also the problem is that i'll look at this animal and i've been watching this animal for its entire life every day all these years of like that and i'm like i'm not sure you'll come over and you'll be like the Fuck! Aren't you sure about it's huge? Like it's massive, it's <laughs> yeah. solid. So it's one of those things where yeah, I, I'm just the kind of person who will second guess it. I usually have that one break with reality every season where I'm like, I'm not going to get any eggs, and I'm a failure. And then, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, I know ha- the feeling. <laughs> and then, like a month later, I'm like, there are too many eggs, and I'm a failure. Right. Like, it's either way, I
2: failed.
1: Either way, I've i failed. <laughs> yeah, failed. It's but, and, and that's just part of it. where kind of got to. Try to be in tune with it, but you're going to miss it. You, you have potential of missing this stuff, so it's better to put the mail in there, and if you're on the question about it, leave them in there and stuff like that so that you won't miss these kind of things and these opportunities. But same thing like you said. They can ovulate through feeding, so separating is fine, but try to get that mail back in there as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, then uh, basically –
1: then she comes hard as a rock. Her belly scales yeah. pop out. <laughs> and then you're on the good, you're on the good, you're in the money.
0: Yeah. So, like what Owen was talking about, right? There's always this, um, it's much easier to tell them in other animals for some reason. Sometimes it's harder to tell on your animal. I should say. So, what do your females do? before ovulation are you find them on the cool side or on the warm side
1: warm side before ovulation they're in their favorite yep they're in the favorite spots they're doing their thing they're acting like normal sitting like normal doing whatever ovulation hits she is wrapped around that water ball like her it's like we're talking like she's clung to it because of all that stuff so she will be wrapped around the water bowl because she'll want that kind of Cool because I guess when they start ovulating, I don't know if the heat's just gonna start moving. So I find them wrapped around the water bowl prior to, and then they do some more basking. So it's weird because it all depends, each one will do different. I've had several females that do nothing different, nothing at all. And I'm like, clearly, I fucked up. And then I open up the cage and they're around eggs. I'm like, what the, we're like, you know, I've had that happen. I've had females where like every single thing is textbook, like they come out, they swell they curl around the water bowl they're basking belly up eggs like like the, the perfect time ratios right so it just changes I, it just varies I,
0: I i sort of find that for my females mm. that they sort of do the opposite right they're yeah, sort the cool of saying on the cool side as the breeding season is kind of going or whatever um you know when they would be locked up when they would be together and mm. then once she ovulates it's like immediately she's going to the heat
1: they, they my guys tend to share the heat a lot um the female will usually be in like on top of the bin underneath right. the heat panel and the male will be snaked in with her or right. they'll be curled up kind of nearby the good thing is with my stuff is that a snake can be on top of the bin and then a snake can right. be inside the bin and they're both still under the heat and stuff like that right. so I see so, that a lot too but I think okay. Oh, yeah. I would say I won't start necessarily see changes until she's mm-hmm. full blown into it. And even right. then I'll miss it because there was the one one year where I'm like, I'm not sure if this female's going to go. I'm not sure if this female's going to go. And I kept the boy in there forever. And then I checked them. And, you know, when the females about the legs, she looks all twisted.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah he's over here by the water bowl. She's in the bin all twisted. I'm like, come here. Like, Let's get you out of here, buddy. Like, you don't need to be here anymore. Like, yeah. I've had that happen.
0: Yeah. she. Uh, so usually if, I, if I've seen the female ovulate, nice. if I've seen her ovulate, I do pull the male out, but yes. I rarely see the female ovulate. So yeah, I think the key is, is like <laughs> sort of, I think, again, it's going to sound cliche, but being a student of the serpent, right? You, you want to know what your snakes are doing normally, right? Normal times. What do they do? Where are they at? Are they, Mm -hmm. uh, certain times of the year? Are they on the, where are they at in the cage? Mm -hmm. Are they basking? Are they not? Are they trying to get away to the cooler side? You know, all these things sort of, sort of play into like, um, what you want to look for, because as soon as you see something different, it's Mm -hmm. going to stand out to you and say, oh, okay. And then that's what I would kind of write down in my notebook to sort of see how that plays out the next time they breed, you know? Right. Um, And sort of look for those cues. That's sort of how I felt to Owen's point that I call it the pretzel. Um, You know, I've never seen, so Owen's had this, but I've never had females where they flip over and invert with their belly up.
1: I love it. It's it's yeah. almost like the I've had the uh, listen, I will second guess everything that's going on with my females and in my room. But the second right. they're belly up, I'm like, got it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right. Right. Point taken, I will leave you and alone now. <laughs> like, why do you
0: think they do that?
1: I think, do you have any I, thoughts
0: on why they do? I
1: think just, it's just so that they can make sure that all the eggs are warmed and their body is warmed up evenly. You know, the right. eggs will definitely rest on the bottom and they will stack up on each other. Uh especially like I've seen the ultrasounds that are all jammed up on each other. Um right. that's because like if you've ever had an egg that's been fresh laid, like comes out of the female, right? They are sticky, gooey, like it is there's no yeah. heft to it. It takes another couple hours for it to actually puff up and become kind of solid. So yeah. they'll be all over each other. So I think she will shift her body around to make sure that everything is evenly heated and everything right. is her body and all this stuff. I would say that why it kind of happens with my girls more than say with yours is different types of heating elements in our yeah. cages. You do belly sure. heat yeah. a lot. So it would probably be easier for one of your girls in one of the bins to just get that belly heat. Yep. Um, I would also say that because my girls are, could be bigger that it, they mm-hmm. have to yep. ship some stuff around where you're sure. like, ah, I have to warm two and a half eggs done like you know and it's like warming 50 something eggs is hard man you know right. um yeah. Yeah. so it's very true <laughs> yeah there's a i would say that that would be part of it too but it is definitely one of those things where I'm like I, you know that that's the shell that, that's that's a telltale sign i've had girls that do it where the only thing that's still upright is their head but then i've also had girls where it's like as i'm pulling out the bin they correct themselves so i only see like a little bit of the belly, and I'm like, Were you just basking belly up, or were you sitting weird? So, right. yeah, it's happened.
0: yeah, they, they and once that female ovulated, she sort of feels very tight. Yes. you'll see sometimes scale you'll see separation. Scale separation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all like signs that you're sort of
1: the belly right scale. My favorite is the belly scales will pop out and become, yes, squares, and yes, it's, it's one of those that like that's. People are like, oh, watch for scale separation. This I'm like, watch those fucking belly scales. Yes. When halfway down her square her scales start popping out and staying out, you're on, you're on it. Because there's no room left in her lower half. Like, yeah, it it's full.
0: It's almost like think of it like I kind of look at it like love handles, right? <laughs> so if you like, if you're like, if you have love handles, yeah. and you wear a comfortable pair of jeans. It's not going to look as know, much, but as soon as you put on the the the, the, the <laughs> jeans from your twenties, you try to squeeze into those. The love handles, sort of pour wear my leather of pants to. from when I was a rock and roll yes. star.
1: Nobody, no. Yes. Buddy, no. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's sort of like yeah, her her belly scales yeah. are now smaller than her body, so it looks. <laughs> it, it's hard to explain, it, it, but they, as soon
1: as you see it,
0: you will you know. know it.
1: And, yeah. They'll also, movement is not their friend. So no. they will sit, they will pick a spot and they will sit. And then when they yes. move, they will move slowly. And I've had females where they are the nastiest, most evil bitch of an animal. The second it's gravid, it's like curling up in my hands. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. like the, the woma python, the one that I gave to Lucas, furious, evil creature. When it's gravid, it's curled up in my hands. And I'm like, all right, like, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> that happens so like they will uh, I mean also the other thing is that you know you're starting to put your females away like back in their cage and you yeah. let them run through your hands Yes, you can feel the eggs but if you kind of let that if you kind of give a little bit of resistance a little bit and she doubles back fast as humanly hell like, with murderous intent you're probably getting some eggs in there because <laughs> right, she does not like you touching those um, Right, so it's yeah i kind of can't wait like i I almost forget all the fun things that happen with breeding until it starts happening and you're like oh yeah this is the fun part (laughs) i
0: honestly (laughs) think that like this is sort of i i so my feeling is is that why people are sort of moving away Mm. from necessarily saying they have to breed is because now they're seeing observations of cool um you know uh, behaviors, as, yeah, in in these setups that they have that that don't have to do with breeding, but it's right. just like you're observing these things. And for us, that for people that are breeders, it's like all these things are so cool because it's like watching nature and how mm-hmm. they evolve to produce. And you know, it's 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 a really cool experience. And if you are, even if you're not a breeder, you should try it once, just yeah. to as, sort as of an go experienced through
1: experienced maternal incubator. Um, I. <laughs> Right on. I did it once. It counts. Uh, yeah, man, That's all Never that matters, right? Uh, right? But uh, uh, it was really cool. But I yes. mean, I think I I picked the perfect female for it because yeah, she would she would leave the eggs every day when uh-huh. the panels turned on. She would warm up. She'd go back to the eggs. So that gave me a little bit of a time if I wanted to. Said that one egg that went bad and got uh-huh. moldy. I was able to take the clutch, pull that egg out. She didn't give a damn. She went back to the eggs. She did all the things. I would give her a quick feed if I really wanted to. It was fantastic. Yeah. I think if I had done, I think other mothers who would have been either more protective of them or like, cause she didn't lose that. She didn't look that horrible because she was eating the entire time. She was on the eggs. So yeah, it would, I think you could do it a lot worse, but it was definitely very cool to see. And I'm good. I'm glad I did it. Done. Done. Right. No more.
0: Never again. Now we're again? Okay, fair enough. So at this point, she's going to have her prelay shed. Yeah. Right. Um. Sometimes you'll see this on uh, the internet as PLS. Right. And also, here's the
1: thing: is don't live or die by the prelay because no. she will. Sometimes she'll force it. Sometimes she won't have one. So you need to pay attention. But the at the shed cycle or when she's definitely counted out. If you're during breeding season, your female sheds. Count out 60 days and mark it. Keep doing what you're doing and keep obviously altering things if you feel the need to alter or introducing the mail, but mark it. No matter what where you are, if she sheds, mark 60 days because you want to pay attention to that in case she does start showing you other signs that she is going to lay. So, but yeah, pre lay shed. Right.
0: right. And I think sometimes what happens is if, so if you're going into, if you're coming out of that ovulation, and if you're trying to feed the female at this point, mm. she may not have ovulated if she's taken a meal, right? right. Um, because typically, my females once they've ovulated, that's it. That's over. Game over. They don't care what you're throwing in front of their face. They're not Your
1: eating. It. Girls and my girls are so weird. <laughs> like they're <throwing> not <laughs> right. on the same page. I've had a female eat a rat and then lay eggs the next day. Like it is. Wow. Yeah. Wow they, they, that's they just, crazy. They're just so well, uh, like, two different it's the types cool th- of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's the cool thing about like when we talk about this is because it, it, there really is no set of rules, right? No, there is there no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's really kind of like almost an individualist individualistic type of uh thing, right. you know. It, it's your animal, like, your
1: room, your way and also sure. it, there's so many different factors that would come into how you're going to have a different experience, but yeah man i i've had because that's how the females would sneak up on me and hit me over the like head with a chair behind me with the with the clutch i wasn't expecting the the, the rough scale the she had her prelay shed but she did it and peeled way back in the bottom of one of the cork tubes that i had for her and the entire shed was back in there so i oh, wow. didn't see the shed and then gotcha. she ate and then the week she laid the eggs she skipped, but that was, I thought she was just going to be weird. And then I came in and she was around the edge. So, so I should,
0: so I should ask that like the yeah. roughies, do they fall into the same time frame as like the winter breeders?
1: No, they went into, uh, I did them just same as carpets.
0: That's what I mean. Like winter carpets,
1: winter carpets. Yeah. But they're, okay. they're, 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 they're changed. Like, I mean, their temps are so weird anyway, and I give them a night drop year round. So right, right. like right now, uh, the one roughing cage I have up here is starting to cycle down. Uh-huh. And uh, is it 8 o'clock yet? Yeah, it's just 8 o'clock now. Yep. So it's going to start cycling down, and it's going to hit to be about 77. And right. then that'll be it. But then the daytime high for them is still 88. So right. I won't start dropping their nighttime drop until the carpets reach uh 77 as a night drop. Right. So, okay. yeah.
0: So I w- what I was getting at with the prelay shed with fe- feeding the female, right? Is like um so somebody told me that a long time ago. I was like, try to give her a meal. If she doesn't eat, she'd probably grab it, right? So I was like, okay. And then I had a female take. So I was like, okay, what okay. does this mean? And then yep. she immediately went into a shed, which I thought was prelay shed. And I was like, to your point, right? Owen, yep. I was like, Well, I guess she just took a meal because she was hungry. Right. But this is a prelay shed.
1: Eh, no, no, no.
0: no. It was just that I I think she was developing follicles, I fed her a meal. I think that you know because she was it just pushed her into a shed, uh-huh. and then she came, you know, she went through another shed cycle, and then that's when that next shed cycle was the prelay shed. So sometimes they fake you out, and sometimes, to Owen's point, I th- yeah I had a female that didn't even have a prelay shed, and I I've heard of people that have had the same thing, and it's kind of like is is this like a mandatory thing to happen? I don't know. I think well, it's maybe yeah. because the female is just kind of like uncomfortable body is, <laughs> is is basically growing, right? I mean, yeah. she's got life growing in her. She's got these eggs, follicles that are growing into eggs and she's she's growing, which expands those scales, which is why you see scale separation and all mm. this stuff's expanding her skin, all this stuff. So maybe that's pushing her into a shed. And that's why it sheds. Maybe if she's not having a big of a clutch or maybe if it's, I'd have to look at my notes to see if that's like a slug
1: clutch. Yeah. Had a lot of slugs. There was that one year where I had a shit ton of slug um, clutches and each female went did everything by the book. So there were relays. There was all that stuff. And then I just kept getting slug clutch after slug clutch after slug clutch, which can happen if your males don't get to that certain temperature. So temperature is very important for females. It's also very important for the boys. So
0: yeah. see, to me, this is where I still think that we need work in understanding reproduction in uh, Python. Well, snakes. And as far as we all can speculate about like what those reasons are why they're slugs, but I uh, think sometimes I think at least for me, I heard I heard certain things and then I was like, Yeah, that fits into there, where really maybe I was doing something else that was wrong. Rather right. than really trying to figure out, like, why did this female lay slugs? Was it too hot? Was it too cold? Did the male, is he shooting blanks? Was it because I spread them too thin between females? I, I, yeah. You know, I, I, all these things have been, been reasons. Or maybe she didn't have enough you know, Didn't have enough calories. You know what I mean? Methods. Yeah, yep. So, who knows? I don't know. But yeah. I think all of those things are possible. It's just sometimes knowing what's what, but, um, so basically at this point, the thing that I look for to Owen's point, you mark it on the calendar, even if you're, you're not sure if that was what it was, I think about maybe 10 days out from Mm -hmm. laying eggs is when I start to see that female look really uncomfortable and go into what I call that pretzel lay, where she's just twisted around in the most, weirdest it's just weird man it's and just... and
1: and everything looks bad like she's twisted yeah she her skin looks dark yeah she can tell she's kind of just unhappy yep. and yeah and that you you know you know your animals there's like how you always know if one of them looks kind of sick just by your brain will tell you which is why I always say if you always go into one of your snake's cages and something is telling you that the snake is off Trust it and invest in yes. it. Because right. and same thing, you're just gonna open her and you're be like, God, you look horrible.
0: Like, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> and something's not <laughs> right with you. You don't
1: look like you're yeah. having fun. You're correct. So right.
0: so what can go wrong when she goes to lay eggs?
1: Well, she could totally let's uh, I'll just go through what's going on in my head collection. <laughs> um she yeah. can totally miss her lay date. That's why right. you need to have that shit. Mark down because yeah. you don't want to run to the vet and have her induced. If you fucked up and are off by a week or two. Yeah. Um, which that's a quick, easy vet visit, but you're going to pay for all that. Um, yeah. I've had to do that. I've had to induce two females over my career, um, yeah. which is fun. Usually with, after they get the shot, it's usually about 24 hours when the eggs show up. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they can, Here's a question.
0: Yep. Were the eggs good? I can't remember. Yeah. I think some of them were. It was right? my yeah. first. Okay. It was
1: my first super caramel clutch. Um, right. She okay. she blew past her lay date by two, almost three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then we induced her. The eggs hatched a week early. <laughs> so I'm like, aha. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, we induced her. Uh, that was the other thing is that uh, that was when I didn't have lay boxes and stuff like that. So I I we gave her the shot and then I put her in a cage full of mulch. Okay. Two hours she was laying eggs. So right. and she coiled them all up perfect. Uh the other time those eggs were bad. That was a jungle clutch. And it was the slug was like three eggs combined. So it was this long like tube. And that was the first egg in the thing. So okay. they induced her. She didn't get that really out, but she started to enough to the point where I was able to see the egg coming out of her. And realized that it was a long not good slug so i stabbed it with a needle and drained it and then that came out and then all the other slugs came out after it so that's the other thing is that if you you come in and she's laid a couple slug clutches and she's about and she's nowhere near her lay date let's say she's a week before her lay date and she lays a couple slugs hang in there because she's probably going to lay some good ones but the rest of the eggs are coming if it's like she has her prelay, and then a week later, she lays a couple slugs. The entire clutch is coming, and it's going to not be good. Right. So, um, right. so that can happen with large malformed slugs that kind of block her up. Egg binding can happen, which is um, not good.
2: Mm-mm.
1: That's where the eggs fuse, and that normally requires surgery, and also uh, potentially can uh, basically have they basically have to spay her is what ends up happening. So you can lose a breeding female that way as far as being able to breed. Um, You can have a prolapsed or ruptured oviduct, which I've had that happen before because I came back to one carpet, was curled up with her eggs, and they were all covered in blood. Um, But she survived, and that was terrifying. Uh, Yeah, you can have that kind of stuff. Uh, So you just got to keep up for that. Keep watching that kind of stuff.
0: The only... Two major things that I've had happen were probably I had a coastal that I had to palpate some eggs out of.
1: Yep, those are fun. Um,
0: uh, Which luckily for me, the eggs were close to the vent. Mm -hmm. So I called Dr. D. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He sort of said, you know, sent him a picture. He said, I think you could probably palpate them out. So there was two eggs I palpated them out. The one egg, for whatever reason... Uh, somehow was blocked. It just yeah. didn't come out. Once that one came out, the other one came out right away. So luckily, you could see that the egg was right by the vent. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I still, to this day, don't know what caused that. I'm not sure. Um, it can just uh, happen. I mean... But man, does it freak you out with breeding that girl again?
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it can be uh that can be very but, but that's the thing is
1: where you can have a female that does it perfect for several years in a row and yeah. then one year something can go sideways so you've right. got to be on your toes and that's why dates and stuff like that are important because you don't know when you're going to have to explain this to a vet and yeah don't i would say yeah people that's, that's a good who, point yeah and I, and i would say also people who are there's certain people in this reptile community who they're like, my snake is horribly sick. It clearly is not doing well. What temperature should I bump up its cage to to make it better? Let's go to a vet. Don't have money for vet. What? Like, maybe I'll spray it with water. No, no, it needs a doctor. But it is, <laughs> yeah. The same thing goes. There are some people who are like, I soaked her in some warm water. That'll help. Yeah, that could help if that's what's wrong or if she needs it. But more likely than not, if we're talking about breeding issues, you're going to have to get a vet involved. And if you slouch on that shit, you know, no vet is going to drop everything to see your snake.
2: You're going to have
1: to schedule stuff out. So if something goes wrong, you're not going to be able to get her in for a day or two. And you will, of course, learn how to maintain or do some emergency shit just by being here. Like I learned that cornstarch is a wonderful clotting pattern.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Yeah.
1: Great thing to have in your vet, in your, I remember, um, uh, vet kit.
0: <laughs> I remember, God, this was years ago. This is yeah. when Morelia Forums was still around. And I yeah. remember that Mike Curtin had an issue with a female and he actually aspirated the egg. Yep, with the needle inside of her, yep. which, you know, in his, see, again, this is why having the forum was great right because you could go back and you could look at that yep. and you could see that and read what he wrote up he did this awesome write-up on it and not that he would recommend doing it but yeah, basically that, that at is. this point you know he was sort of like well the female's gonna die because to your point right he couldn't yeah. get her to a vet he made a vet appointment right he, he eventually yeah. did take her to a vet but it wasn't like you know uh one o'clock in the morning or whatever you can just uh you know just go to the emergency Listen, room for, the,
1: the, you can for a snake. Go to, you can go to, to an emergency vet because they have them all over the place. Yeah. Um, the, it's, the price is not going to be good, and I guarantee you that the vet that you're going to see will have very little to no reptile experience. Uh, you might get lucky and get one that can do reptile stuff, but it, it, it's going to be a bad thing. And I mean, I, I would say that if you got to that point where you're like, I have to stab it with a needle... Through its body to drain the egg so much shit has gone wrong and you're right; that is like the this is the yeah. last thing i can do to save this animal's life and right you know, ended up so, saving her yeah but you don't ever want to be in that situation i'd be no. in that situation don't do no
0: that, no not good wow. um so basically at this point you're thinking about um you know lay boxes um you know things like this some people are no lay box some people are lay box it really just kind of depends on um you know i guess your caging or whatever the case would be um but uh i would uh i would I, i like to I like to give a give an egg egg box um if you're breeding in racks which uh at this point, I don't know if that's the way that I would proceed going forward, but it can be done. But if you're going I, to do it, I recommend putting uh, all spagnum moss in the entire tub.
1: I, I, I've i been told <laughs> by yeah. someone who lives in this house who is better at this shit than I am, um, right. that if there's no reptile vet on staff at an e they will not yeah. even see.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. Apparently, I talk too loud and... People are correcting me now. Ah, okay.
0: well, <laughs> thank you very much for that correction. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Real yeah. life correction. Yeah. I like it.
1: Yeah. This is what happens when you have a vet tech <laughs> on staff here at the house. That's out. awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. We should, we should
0: have went right to the source, right? Are you kidding me?
1: Why are you speaking to me? Just bring her on. She'll tell you everything. <laughs> right. yeah, but um that's why so the closet downstairs where you used to keep all my shit. Get out of here. Right. <laughs> get out of my <laughs> get out of my podcast. What? I am I know you are,
2: no, right? Clinic, people have
1: been in your house. Oh Christ! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, dear. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> Open the door.
0: She's the reptile vet on stage Well,
1: though, Apparently now, because she knows what's going on most of the time, because she's fixed most of my animals when. Yeah. shit breaks.
0: She's even fixed mine. <laughs> yeah.
1: Apparently, <laughs> apparently people on staff are just bringing the reptiles to her. So yeah, <sighs> just get paid like a reptile vet would be in business. But, um, right. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I would say you do the whole tub with sphagnum moss. I try to keep it one bin full of mulch and moss and stuff like that. Try yeah. to get her to lay there. Um, right. Since I've been offering the bins that I have with the lids, I have not had a female not lay there. That's not right. true. I had one lay under the paper because she was weird. That was a jag. We cannot, we <laughs> yeah, cannot put jag in the same a cube. Like, you right. know, it's like here's like you know the wonderful little bar chart where you're like, here's right. charting all this thing. And then one points way over here. Like, what happened there? Right. I don't know. Like, <laughs> jag. Jag, like, yeah, jag <laughs> happened over there. So yeah, right. all the other ones, nice little neat bins where they put all their babies, Jag, I'll put them here. So, But that is something that you have to worry about as well because there will be one female that will try to put them in the water bowl or try to put them there. So
0: It'll be the Jag.
1: It'll be the Jag. The Jag, <laughs> yeah. the jag is always going to be your problem. Um, I've had, I've had one Jag where she perfectly wrapped it, and I'm like, don't trust you. Give me these. Like it was, yeah. Right. So, yeah,
0: it's, you know, when I was putting together a collection based upon morph breeding and stuff, and mm-hmm. the, the rule that I followed was that if I was going to have a jag, it would be the male of the pair, right? Because my <laughs> <That's>
1: stupid. <laughs>
0: right. Because my feeling was is that I like to do maternal incubation a lot, and not that they can't do it because Jason Balan has had success with yes, many tiger could. jags uh, doing maternal incubation, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just did not trust it. I don't know trust if it's true, but I, just I don't, trust, don't an trust
1: an animal it. that when it stresses out flies all over the place to yeah. be to be yeah. caretaker of the tiny eggs. So
0: yeah, um, if I'm doing a cage, I do do uh, I uh, like a I do a 15 quart tub, you know, type of thing. Sometimes maybe a little bit bigger, but basically I'm putting a hole in the top and filling it with moss, and the female <sighs> will go in there and sort of do her thing um
1: yeah it's the um uh was the orchid moss or whatever yep. at Lowe's it's that's the perfect moss don't get any yep. other kind of moss and just put a bunch in there I, I like to put a bunch of mulch in there year-round but then I kind of put more mulch and more moss in there near breeding season because she'll get in there and she'll kind of spin a little bit and she'll make a yep. big divot and that's where she wants to put the eggs
0: so. Yeah, I sort of, uh, if I'm going to do maternal incubation, I really try to focus on making sure that that, that laying area, that nesting area is sort of dialed in and mm-hmm. really where she wants it. And um, I guess at this point, you <laughs> Don't sort of have to... move the
1: dis- fucking bin. If she puts it someplace, <laughs> yeah. leave it there. Don't move there. it. Don't move yes. it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've done that many times, and she kept moving it back, which, to me, shows you how in tune they are with their environment and the temperatures that they want. Um, yes, that was my first. <laughs> that was my first year breeding twenty twelve. Uh, that's what uh, well, my first successful year, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then and basically at this point, um, you're just waiting for her to lay the eggs. Yep. Um, it and and you gotta gotta go into the season whether you're gonna do maternal incubation or artificial incubation. But really, once that female has laid and wrapped is really my definitive decision on whether or not I'm going to let her keep the eggs yeah. or whether I'm going to take her away from the eggs. Yeah, check I'm the body condition.
1: You can, yes. You can wait until she leaves the eggs to check her, but right. check her, but then also you need to have a safety net. If you're right. going to sit there and be like, I will do nothing but maternal incubation, at least have an incubator ready, or a friend a couple towns over that has an Correct. incubator ready. 100%. Also, also will cost you a Macklotz wipe on. It
0: and cause a headache of, a headache of, the of a frustration of a project
1: that he's still <laughs> getting this day, not get fucking off the ground.
0: It's cursed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, But so I guess the pros and cons of, of each, I I would say maternal incubation, probably the biggest pro. It's just the fact of seeing the female sort of loosen her coils up and there's the little babies pipping out of the eggs. I mean, it's pretty cool. (laughs) It's pretty freaking cool. Even for an avid non non maternal -maternal incubation guy like Owen.
1: (laughs) It does give you that wonderful photo shot. The problem is my female, like I think, Three days before the eggs hatch, she like pooped on the eggs, and I'm like, "Why? You ruined the you ruined the shot!" <laughs> like, oh god damn it! It's like so, but um, it, it was cool, and I would say those babies came out storming and ate like crazy, and yeah, it was it was awesome. They were they were great. They're great little I, things. So.
0: I so it, yeah, it's been said that animals that are Born from maternal incubation. Um, they feed better. They're a little bit bigger. Um, you know, they're able to withstand uh, temperature swings a little. They don't get as stressed with that kind of stuff. Now, is that true? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe all of it's true. Maybe it's not. Who knows? I don't know. um I have had maternal incubation clutches where. They were just average-sized carpets. Now, maybe they were bigger than what they would have been if they were artificially incubated. I'm not sure, but um, I I don't really – I've heard people – I've even said that, you know, and and I think with my experience has been um, it's not a fair assessment that I did back in the day because I was also dealing with morphs, which I think sometimes when you sort of mix morphs into the thing – some of some them off. are pain in the ass to freaking get going.
1: They're genetic uh, mutations. So everything's going to be fucked up. They're broken. Over. Yeah. Everything is broken. Like Right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's really the pros. Uh, the cons would be um, basically that female is not going to be able to be bred
1: back to back years. Right. That's for sure. You gotta be ready for that. And also she's going to (laughs) look,
0: she's going to look horrible. Yeah. You're going to have to get her going back in and all the other females
1: that you didn't do maternal. You're like, you guys are finally putting on weight. And then she's going to get off those eggs and you'd be like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, You really have to pay attention to making sure you get her back to, to into good shape and, and, and back, back in business. Um, If that's, you know, uh, maybe you do it with some, you don't do it with others, you know? Um, or but really, it. I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest con. I yeah. think, and you
1: prep is- for potentially her not being ready to go next year. So if this right. is a female that you want to do back to back, pull the clutch. If this is a female that like, you're like me, where I give girls years off and stuff like that after two years of breeding, maybe cause she's going to get next year off. You can let her maternal. Like yeah. the female that did maternal incubation this past year, she's not breeding this year. Right. So, yeah.
0: Um, I think the other thing in my experience that you have to kind of watch with maternal incubation is sort of the idea of humidity, right? Mm. You can't wet the eggs, but you sort of have to have – so I've had one clutch where they crashed because they sort of – I think it got too dry.
1: Yeah. Have um, to have
0: them. um And, you know – the female didn't do anything differently. I think just where she was at in the room, the humidity was not uh, the greatest. So, um, and again, when you're sort of pushing that dry heat in the winter, you have to be real careful of making sure that uh, that humidity stays on point. Um, So, you know, an artificial incubation, I guess the pro is, is that, you know, that female, you can get back on food quicker.
1: Set it, Uh, she doesn't forget it, (laughs) and yeah, and then
0: you (laughs) put it in the egg box and you sort of let it do its thing, and you know, yeah, as long as you've got a good incubator, um, you should be pretty good, so yeah, um, yeah, incubation incubators, um, you know, sea serpents makes a pretty good one that Mm -hmm. a lot of people like, and then people like myself and own, we sort of use an old. Pepsi mine was fridge. made by
1: coca-cola Coke, Pepsi, <laughs> you know um, yeah. it has the uh has the soda bottle on the handle <laughs> right just, yeah, which yeah. i love the idea of anything with a glass front is always good to help you out um but i mean we've seen people who make incubators out of like coolers and sure all yeah. of this stuff um it just you know obviously Spend the money on the right kind of computer system to run it. Um, yep. Air circulation is definitely important. Uh, yep. Airflow is definitely important, and then you just set it up for eighty something. Was it uh, eighty-seven to eighty-eight degrees, and you let it go. Pretty much, the yeah. eggs will hatch regardless yeah. of what you do. To right. Kill them. The eggs that will hatch will hatch. Yeah. Trust me, I've tried very hard to kill carpet <laughs> eggs over the years. Right. And they still hatch,
0: so <laughs> even when the temperature At 80 degrees, no. <laughs> it'll just
1: take them longer, right. so They will hatch,
0: yeah, right? No. Yeah, I mean, there's some speculation uh, from people whether or not you know the temperatures of, of, of the eggs, if we have that right or not. If you look in the complete carpet python book, uh, Nick did a lot of uh, I think Nick and Justin both did a lot of maternal incubation with um, data loggers, and they saw. Surprisingly, spikes, like yeah. huge spikes, where people would freak out. Uh, you know, if your incubator
1: out. did this. People would lose their minds. Yeah,
0: and that's the other cool thing about uh, the female when she's—I I should backtrack to that. Mm. Um, just the behaviors that she does during maternal incubation. You know, I've it's seen fun. them where they—they'll leave the eggs and they sort mm. of go through the water bowl and then they'll come back and they'll kind of wrap them around. Why that water doesn't hurt them, I don't know, but for whatever reason, it doesn't. Um, maybe that's to be humidity. I've seen it where she sort of tucks her head down into the coils. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Jason Balin talked about how she um, would sometimes they would urinate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to sort of get that humidity up. I've seen to where they scoop up underneath the eggs and actually move them away from the heat, which is just kind of amazing when mm-hmm. they don't have legs. Um, <laughs> to just be able the, to do just that kind of grab them <laughs> just the yeah. just the muscle mm-hmm. you know to be able to do that is just i don't know it's just amazing um you know i have i've seen them leave the eggs and bask and then go back yep. to the I eggs love that. you know uh which is pretty cool um And you're always nervous when that happens because she's like, "Oh, is she gonna go back to the eggs? What did she? Oh my God, go is back? she gonna go back to the eggs? Oh, God, oh my yeah. God, is she going back? Uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, I mean, eventually, yeah, she usually does. Every day, um, I would
1: watch her do that, and I would like, and she would yeah. come out bask, and then she'd go back to the eggs. And it was one of those things where the first couple times, I'm like, "Oh God," and then yeah. she got into her rhythm where it was like, I would know she'd be off the eggs in the morning when I did down, like went downstairs to make sure the lights were on and stuff like that. Then she'd be back on the eggs and then she'd be off the eggs again around noon when it was the like warmest point of the heat panel to warm right. up again. And then she'd be back on those eggs and then she'd probably do it one more time where she'd leave them right before the panels turned off or went down to the night drop of like 70 something, which is what I right. do year round. But as the temperature outside got warmer and the room didn't drop as low she right. Stop doing that. So yeah. Gotcha. It Interesting. Awesome. It was fun. Uh, Never again.
0: Um. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, egg boxes is, is I use those. Um. You know, I use the, like the suspended above the water. Um, thing. Use the uh, uh, sim uh, containers. Sim containers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. The one thing that I would say I don't like the idea of um the water just being loose. Right. Me either. I think that's
1: too much of a factor. I don't. I don't like that. Um, I I just do regular shoe boxes with yeah. holes all over them, all either side. Um, I I have some containers and I've used some containers. I do like them. Yeah. Um, it just my I can fit more in there with a shoe box than I can with a SIM container. Uh, yeah. And I would just I normally do a mixture of perlite and or vermiculite
0: uh-huh. and
1: water to the point where it's the consistency of wet sand. Okay. So I used to measure it out because it used to be like one-to-one ratio and stuff like that. Sure. Now it's literally just pouring it and mixing it until I'm like, good enough, and then that's it. <laughs> so, right. Yeah,
0: yeah I, think, uh, I think what I sort of do now is sort of the same thing. I use uh, – I, I, well, it doesn't really even matter because it's not going to touch the eggs, but I think I, I usually use vermiculite <sighs> in with the water – I don't do a mix because they're never going to touch that right. sort of suspended above that. Um, some people use like a light diffuser um, yep, I do. grid yep. to sort of separate the the substrate from the, from the eggs. Um, and the, yeah, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. You put them in there, you sort of, you know, look at them every once in a while as they get closer to hatch, you'll see that, uh, you know, uh, one tip that buddy Buscemi sort of said to me is like to make sure that uh, condensation on your egg box um, if you're getting that, mm-hmm. is that if you sort of get like I used the dowel rod, I put it in the back of the incubator. So the uh, the egg boxes were sort of on a little bit of a tilt so that mm-hmm. if the if any kind of condensation happened on the top roll. or on the front, it would just roll down and right back. Yeah. Into
1: you the, you know, uh, when you're getting, getting close when the eggs shrivel up and dent in on themselves. Yep. And then when there's condensation constantly, because those eggs are going to give off a ton of heat when they get close to hatching. Right. So all of a sudden you'll go in there and you'll have a ton of condensation on the ceiling of the egg box of the, of the lid. And then you take that off, you might shake it out or do whatever, and then put it back on, come back and check a couple, like hours later, condensation's back. Like they're giving right. off a shit ton of heat. And then the fun part happens where you get to have all the joys of what can go wrong when the eggs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> what to do with babies. Cause I mean, yeah. uh, I've had babies slice into the out of their egg, and then go back in and drown. I've had them slice out of their egg, go into another one's egg and drown. Um, mm-hmm. I've had them break off their egg tooth and drown. Um, I've had them. Uh, I've had twins, which is terrifying. Uh, and I can't even believe like Nick does, like he's had like the triplets and stuff of that. Yeah. Is, like or even the small like pygmy pythons. Like no, no. Yeah. Because they're very wee. Ooh. I've had. You you and I both had ones where they ripped their umbilical cord off their yolk and bleed. Yeah. Um, which is why I say always have the cornstarch. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: I've had it to where the, the, uh, so it was a, uh, I had, I, they pipped out of the egg, mm-hmm. but they were sort of like sitting with their heads there waiting to come out. Um, I went into the egg box and I sort of like looked too long. Mm. And this one carpet decided it was going to take off out Whoa. of the egg, yep. and it was dead uh, because I guess you know it came out. So Rob gave me a little tip. Yeah. Um, if you put like a paper towel, Wet like, paper you know, towel. select the select the sizes, and you yeah. kind of like damp it down, and sort of put it on top of those eggs. Yeah. Uh, you, you you the snake might not be as scared and take off out of the egg if you will. If yeah, you know, take uh, a peek underneath.
1: I have had carpets come out of the egg with their umbilical and the yolk still attached. Right. What I would do in that instance is throw them in a bin by themselves. Don't throw them in with its siblings. That's just stupid. Um, And then put a bunch of wet paper towels in there. Right. And then they usually will kind of chill out in there and then leave it alone. Don't do not keep checking on it because it's already freaking out. But leave it alone and then it will actually keep absorbing that yolk. Right. It's just out of the egg. Um, I've I've had where, when you're going to go try to separate the eggs when they first are laid, where I've ripped one. Um, If you rip one, just kind of jam it in there right up next to one of the other eggs. Cause then you kind of plug the hole with just the sheer force of it going up in there. And then it'll all dry and it'll sit there. And then it'll hatch. Fine, no problem. You know, yeah. I, I know people who are like, well, "You throw fiberglass at it." I'm like, "Just jam it up with, there amongst its siblings." And
0: yeah, you know. wasn't it uh, Damian Hyde that used um, what did he use? Shit, gauze. It was like I think I want to say it was like new skin.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 the, the, the fake um, or the the skin bandage stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: I've, I sort of used that and had that some success with, with that.
1: I've seen that with gauze. Like they put the gauze on it and then they kind of paint that new skin over it with. Yeah. You can, but, you know, like I said, I've, I've ripped a couple eggs and I've just put them and jammed all the other eggs around it. So it was all kind of pressed and then it yeah. would just be fine.
0: Personally, I don't separate the eggs. I try I, not I to. Don't, I don't separate them out. And if you have an egg that goes moldy, leave um, I leave it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think
1: you do more harm than good. If you have a really bad one, you might be able to stab it with a needle and drain it, but don't try to like rip it out there because you have run the risk of tearing out one of the other eggs. I mean, worst case scenario is you can cut it out. Like I think I had one of the corn snake eggs this year went bad, but then some gnats got into it and there was like they were like maggots and eating it, so. I'm like, I'm not going to deal with this. So I took a pair of scissors. It's a dead egg. I just cut it off of the other eggs and then yeah. heaved it. And there was a little bit of shell left on the eggs that used to be attached to it. And then they had it. Right. So.
0: I thought it was interesting that I remember Garrett, he did. I, I should probably have asked him this, but mm. I know Garrett Hartle, he did uh, He did an experiment where he put springtails in the incubation yeah. box. And yeah. the idea was is that they would eat the mold.
1: and Keep the, keep the eggs clean, yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I I would imagine that at some point they're coming into some sort of insect this sort of cleanup crew. Bugs uh, are horrible, but yeah. In the uh <laughs> in the natural uh you know, nest area of a carbon um, I would think that uh that's being done. So um yeah, I it's just just an idea. Anyway, um basically at this point, you know, once they're hatched, I I used to pip. Yeah, I don't, uh, I really don't anymore. Um, I, I, I used to pip and I just did it because other people did it. And that's what I was sort of told. Um, I think if it went for a long, long time Uh, and I knew my temperatures were on point, I probably would just make a little tiny cut so that there was a cut in the egg that the snake could get out of, or, or maybe make the, the hole bigger, or big enough that it, that it could get out of the egg.
1: Um, if everybody else in the clutch is piped, and there's like two eggs or something that yeah. happened, that's when I'll cut it. Right. But
0: When yeah. they all all pip at the same time. Yep. Um, you know, uh, and I, for the love of God, can we stop scooping the snakes out of the egg?
1: You're born whack. Like it's. I mean, yeah.
0: like oh God, that just irks me so bad, um, and I hate. We when have they, to
1: do it, or they'll die. No. I
0: hate the idea of like you you've waited months. Months, but you can't late another couple days Mm -hmm. to see what morphed you got. I mean, I get the excitement, but come on, man. Like, really? You got to slice the top of the egg off? I don't Uh, know.
1: No, and I mean, I've had that point where, like, they've pipped, and I can tell that it's a really cool jag in there, and I'll get excited, but I'm not going to rip it out of the egg. Like, I can wait a little bit longer just to see what happens. And also... you run the risk of hurting the baby. Like, just. I, I,
0: yeah, I guess I've had just some experiences where because I was impatient, I mm. cut the egg too early. I, I screwed him up mm. and I just feel, I mean, some people do it and they don't have any problems. It is what it is, but you definitely don't have to scoop the animal out of the egg. Like let the animal come out on its own. Yeah. Um, I think that's more uh retic people than, uh, than i've seen any other where they just like sort of cut the top off and just scoop them out
1: i kind of can't wait to get the argentine here because i want like i want to get the female pregnant just so i can take a picture and be like "Mm, when should i cut she hasn't (laughs) had the babies yet (laughs) like it because that's that's what it comes down to it's like you're that impatient like if they're not meant to hatch like here's the other problem is you're gonna Let's say you jump the gun, you cut the egg, you rip the baby out of the egg. Congratulations. Now you have to deal with this thing that you just ripped out of the egg that may not have been ready, that could die because it didn't absorb the yolk, that it's going to be a bitch getting eating. Like Congratulations. You've now done this to yourself. Right. So let it sit in the egg. It'll be fine. If it's not fine, then that's a headache you didn't want to deal with.
0: That's the one thing that that's the one thing I have noticed. Um, This is one observation I have. As opposed between maternal and artificial, it seems that maternal incubation, you get more babies pip around the same time, like very close to one another, where they they all sort of storming
1: out of those eggs, (laughs) right? Yeah.
0: Whereas with artificial, you sort of have like you'll have the one two pop out, right, and then you'll have like maybe another one. And then a couple days will go, and you'll see a slit, but they're not out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you start to see other little slits, and then you'll see the one that had the slit the day before. Well, now the head will be out, but they're <laughs> they're not all coming out at the same time. Whereas with maternal, and again, this could just be my observations. It could be my snakes in my room doing what they do. But with my things, um, yeah, yeah. When when I when I do art or maternal, they sort of just like you'll see one pip. And then it's usually like they're all pipped the next day. Right. You know? So I don't know. Just an observation. So usually at that point um, when they pip like that, I'm pulling out the clutch away from the mom. Mm-hmm. I'm putting them into the incubator, mm-hmm. believe it or not, right? Uh, so that they uh, to can give them a coming. couple of days and keep that temperature where it needs to be and get them going. And then, then once they're sort of out, ah, but here's the thing. Mm. Do not put them in the sim container, container, because
1: (laughs) that lid will close. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you're going to transport them to the incubator and put them in a box, make sure it's a box that latches. Locking lids,
1: baby. (laughs) Like you only have to do. You have to make that mistake once. Locking lids. yeah. Yeah.
0: I had a whole clutch of citrus tigers. Uh. Yeah, they were straight citrus. No, they were head albino citrus tigers, uh, and they all got out. Luckily, they all stayed in the incubator, but that was not fun yep. because they were up in the top, and I had to take the incubator apart. And obviously, there were still eggs in that incubator, yeah. so that was yeah. tricky.
1: Yeah, yep. so. uh, zebra jaguars for me, and then yep. uh, mangrove monitors. Because oh. <laughs> yeah, I came in once and there was a baby mangrove sitting on top of the egg box, and I'm like, "Oh no!" And that was. Damn! One of I those... wish I would
0: have paid more attention when you hatched them out.
1: <laughs> on. I can I can tell you right now, Python temps, baby. Like they, yeah. they, like everybody. That was the one thing where I'm like, I hatched mangroves. And they're like, How'd you do it? I put them in the incubator with the carpet So, like, why was that what do you it, mean? Was that, was that not something I should have done? Like, it yeah. was uh, all the yeah. monitor
0: people are like, yeah, How like,
1: dare you? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I just threw it in there. <laughs> and they hatch.
0: So, yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, at this point, let's talk about the uh, so the next couple things we'll talk about is. Whoa.
1: Mind-numbing pain that will come yes. when you're attempting to get your babies set up and feeding.
0: First month of the life, get back, getting babies to eat, keeping notes, Leave. picking holdbacks, I putting would say babies the, up for sale.
1: <laughs> I would say the first thing. And you most thought important, you were done. Yeah, you're no! never done. It's never <laughs> over. Um, it's just a cycle of hell. Um, yes. But I would say that the the one of the most important things I've learned is to, to to wait and to give them time. Yeah. So set up the babies, get them fresh water, do all that fun stuff. Now, I sex them right out of the egg because it's easy to pop them right then and there. And then yeah. I just know boys, girls, this, that, and the other thing. And then uh, I usually keep them together for a little bit, but then I will separate before they start having their first sheds because I need to okay. know who shed and who didn't. Right. Um. And then I won't try feeding them until... I think maybe two weeks after their first shed. I go a month. Yeah, well, two, maybe, yeah I guess that's right. Yeah. It would be about two weeks. I want to say it was about three three weeks, three weeks after there. So it would be close to a month, if not a month, after right. their pr- first shed. That's when I try feeding because that's when they're going to eat because they shed when they were done, you know, when, when their stomachs are empty and it's time to hunt. And I've had more success by waiting. yes getting oh, the feeding than I have had when I used to do it. It's like, ah, you shed. I'll pull out one fuzzy and I'll try to feed it to you. Like And that's dumb. So right. wait. Give it time. Give them time. And also keep your options open when it comes to prey items. Not everything is going to eat a European white mouse and that's fine. Um, I set up my guys. They have one hide box it's a little plastic cube. And then right. they have a water bowl. You do things a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I use a six quart tub um, I guess my and so my my setup has evolved for babies over the years. Um, but basically it comes down to I think the fundamental things that you want to have is obviously a water bowl,
1: mm-hmm.
0: some type of perching, and some, some type, of, type hide. of
1: hide. Yep. Right.
0: That's pretty much what you want. Now there's some some thought, and I would sort of tend to agree with it that carpet pythons are sort of hanging from something to eat. Um and I would agree. So <laughs> I think that it helps get them going, maybe it makes them feel comfortable, whatever the case would be, um that that they'll go. But remember, carpet pythons are eating, you know, skinks and lizards, lizards and frogs and, and, and like these things in, and, yeah. In nature, there's it's not like they're going and finding a mouse nest and you know, raiding the fuzzies out of it. It's not happening that way. They're they're eating you know, little skinks and stuff. Yeah. Um And uh, yeah. So so sometimes they can be tricky uh, to get going because you're giving them something they they don't want. I've used uh, scents. Um, I think probably you know I've used the uh, the the go to Morelia method is chick down. Um, yeah. To get them going and sort of you cut off a little bit of the down that's on the bottom of a chick you rub it all over bouquet. the prey yep. sort of you know sort of will get them going I, and the weird one from npr that yeah uh, we have used is that uh you put them in your car and you take them around <laughs> the <block. laughs> take, them on um,
1: take them on a little trip yeah uh, uh i would say that the best uh i i chick down definitely works um i've Dip them in tuna fish water from a can. That's worked. Um, Chicken stock worked. Um, I fed them just the chicken feet from a chick that I fed to something else. That's worked. Chicken heads have worked. Um, My favorite thing is that you can get quail, small quail from Rodent Pro. Perfect size. Perfect size for a small carpet. It's a big meal for a carpet, but it's about the size of a hopper. Perfect. And that I've gotten... I got three carpets this year working on those. I've also done frozen minnow, frozen minnows and live minnows. Those have worked. Um, it's just have your options open, man. Like, you know, it's also with yeah, think- places like, uh, reptilinks that sell the frog scent and the lizard scent. Yes. Um,
0: yeah. I've used, I that. got,
1: I got, uh, my baby madhogs this year. I got them to finally eat by taking a hopper and wrapping it in knobtail gecko skin.
0: Yeah, and now that I have those, uh, <laughs> thank you, God.
1: I need no, no. Listen, anything that they shed, you need a bag. And just it's Owen's bag. Every yes. time you're cleaning, and every time they shed, you put the sheds in the bag. Tell yep. me when the bag is full. I will come get it. Right. Geckos, mom, monitors. Yeah, Melissa, Melissa pointed out that I left a box full of GoPro shit downstairs. Like, oh, okay. That's what that's what I said. I'm like, wait. She's like, I'm like, no. I returned all this shit to Eric. She's like, what's this? I'm like. That'd be Eric's box. And she's like, well, does he know it's missing? No. I didn't <laughs> no. I didn't even he open the box know. yet. I don't know either. So, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, fair enough.
1: All right, good enough. Like, I'll get it to him. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, no. And it keeps go to Eric's. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Whatever. But that's. Um, be open okay, so to
0: I'll put your bag together.
1: <laughs> there you go. But it's yeah. you have to be open to that kind of stuff. Because I think I've had more success in figuring out what the animal will eat and then providing it then forcing it to eat what I want it to eat or yes. what I'm prepared for it to eat right. um they will grow faster they'll grow better less stress fine yeah that one baby carpet that was on quail it had three feedings of quail like a frozen thought quail
0: right. then
1: I just threw a hopper at it and it ate it and yeah the good thing about hoppers. yeah the good,
0: the good thing about carpets is once you get them going mm. they're good
1: well, it's know, like it's uh, just
0: Sometimes they can be picky, but well, it's, it's just a, because it's
1: just the way giving they are giving them the
0: wrong thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. If that's not a skink, you know. Okay, yeah. well, you're right. But the same thing went with the olive pythons. I I, I offer the olive pythons first thing, nothing but frozen thawed rodents, and they all turn their noses up at it. Right. The next thing you do, you offer them a quail. birds. Right. they all eat it. Then you just keep <laughs> you just keep showing them the mouse. And if they right. don't want it, you give them the quail. Now I have all but one eating rodents, just straight up. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's um, I I so I, I just I'll go over my system. I yep. I learned sexing them out of the egg from Owen. Um,
1: He's a good teacher, that Owen guy.
0: Yeah. So because mm-hmm. uh, it seems to be the easiest way to do it. Um, <laughs> so what I do is I and I stole this idea from Matt, right? So mm-hmm. I get those little circle stickers that you use for a price or whatever. Right. So I used a blue for a boy, red for a girl. They come out of the egg. I separate them out of the egg. I sort of put them in their setup. I put a blue sticker on it for the boys, a red sticker on it for the girls. Um, if I think it's a boy and I question it, I just put a little question mark on it. <laughs> if I think it's oh, a girl, no. I it, I'll put a little question mark in the, on the sticker, right? And then maybe follow back up or have somebody that's better at sexing like Owen or somebody else come and sex it later on. Mm. Um, but uh, from there, um, what I do is when I, when I get them to feed, I put a green sticker on the tub. This way, I know who needs attention and who doesn't need attention just right. from looking at the rack, right? And I'll sort of try, I think what I do, and sometimes this would get people crazy with their OCD that all the animals from the one clutch have to be together is that as they start to feed, I sort of mm-hmm. put them together and move them around, if you will. Right. Um, so that when I come in, I know, okay, I have to, I, now I only have five babies that aren't eating. Oh, now we have three babies that aren't eating. Okay, and then you you sort of go from there, um, and then every time they feed, I sort of put a little mark, like a little uh, little line little to say, mark, okay, yeah. one, you know, and I get up to five, and then usually once it's at five is like when I would say that it's good to start selling. Them,
1: They're rolling, right? yeah.
0: They're ready to go. They're sort of dialed in now.
1: That's I, I That's five have been... consecutive feedings in a row.
0: Correct they yep. never refused right yep. so um i tried you know i i sort of i sort of it's sort of a combination of what matt was doing mm. and what nick does if you bought a carpet python from nick Mutton, you know he'll send the little he has Hard a little sticker it. that he keeps on yeah. top of the tu- like on top of the deli cup that he sends it in but he puts that on the um the thing and as the you know they shed that whatever he's he's writing it down for you um i used to keep records like that i've sort of fell off of that um i just sort of do the feedings um i don't know i have all kinds of data weighing them up i sort of weigh them right when they come out of the egg you know i don't know to me it was just learning like what what am i looking at you know it's putting Mm -hmm. data with what i'm looking at sort of putting it together so to speak but now I can kind of look at a carpet and say, Oh, that's the right size. Oh, that's small. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I I I sort of I used to get super excited about them pre shed. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've learned and Owen has taught me over the years, it's like, <laughs> wait. let's wait till it sheds <laughs> before we jump to conclusions. Yeah. And uh yeah, he's usually right. Um, so uh, I do. I did take pictures in my first couple of years of what they were at every shed just so I could see like how they develop. And what I've sort of learned is an eye for holding things back.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, um, a lot of the animals that I sort of gravitate towards and have made stellar adults is usually they have this hypo type of look it's not right. hypo uh, no i shouldn't say hypo ghost type of right. look do it yeah. um you know i sort of you can look at the scales on a baby especially after it had it first shed you mm. could sort of see if there's going to be tipping in the in the inside of the saddles if that's what you're into um you know for like jungle carpets and stuff like that um yeah, I sort of, I don't know. I sort of hold on to them. I look for weird patterns. That's for that's, sure. Stripes.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, that's kind of why I put all the girls in one bin and all the boys in one bin for maybe a day or two. Because right. Because is different is going to stand out. <laughs> well, that's and you're like, yeah, like that one. Because <laughs> like, yeah. then you look at it and you're like, seeing them one. all together. And that, yeah. Exactly. So, and I usually try to do, and I didn't used to do it before, I, I would never pick my, I would never have the whole if I didn't need them. Um, now it's, I try to keep 2.2 of every clutch right? and like this year is weird because last year I kept all girls. I didn't keep any right. boys. Right. Um, this year I'm keeping all boys. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's like, um, I, I kept an exotic Jag this year and then I kept two tigers because okay. I, do I need male tigers? No, like a hole in the head. But right. these are it's so hard. Gorgeous. To give them up. <laughs> like, they're so good. <laughs> so and hard to give them. That's up. the problem is I'm sitting here and I'm like, I should only keep two male tigers. Two. But right. there are three male tigers that I'm like, huh. <laughs> so I need someone to come and buy this one tiger to keep it away from me. So but yeah. it's just, and that's where it goes, where you gotta you gotta keep holdbacks because it will really help you in your own stuff to yes. move forward. And even if a year from now I'm just like, you know what? I didn't need three male tigers. I'll right. sell the one. Sure. But I've been able to watch all three develop and I've been able to sit there and I can take this one male and I'd be like, all right, dude, you're, you're selling as a whole, like as a whole former holdback and get my money's worth there. And also right. projects change an animal might die or something like that. And you've got a, sure. a hold to fill that you didn't think you had. So you know you're your best customer don't be afraid to have holdbacks
0: right yeah it's yeah it's it's, uh it's definitely uh you breed for yourself first well and that's (laughs) the thing
1: is too is because you're not going to sell all the animals you produce in the year by the time next breeding season rolls around so you know why not take the best cream of the crop and just kind of stick them over in a corner over there as your holdbacks and then yeah. you know what? You can always decide to sell them later. But you can usually, never, you never get it back if you sell it. So yeah, you, usually it would be
0: my approach has always sort of been like if I'm sort of on the fence with one, but I know it's killer. Mm. Send I sort of Owen. give it to some, yeah, give it to <laughs> Owen. Or, you know that when, you, you know that, that that's where like you know Riley or Lucas. You and, send it to somebody know, within striking distance. Like
1: yeah, yeah exactly. Rob, it was like the, you know, that, Keith. and also you have, when you have friends that are also in it, you know, their projects. So this animal doesn't fit me, but I'm going to drive it over to Eric's and make him take it because it fits him. Like it's his project thing. So that helps too. And also if I were to ever need an animal, I know where to get it. Like I know where the genetics are. I know what's going on there. So that's happened before too. So why not?
0: Yeah. And even now we got the babies feeding. Mm-hmm. They got the babies established. They're good mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Now comes to me the worst part of the whole gig. Selling. Selling
1: them. Yeah. Um, you put a drill to your head.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, this is just a whole episode on itself.
1: Um, it is because here's the thing. You know, You gotta. you're going to have to grow some tough skin real quick if you're going to start selling reptiles because there will be people out there who think that the best way to buy a reptile from you is to be an asshole. And you got to be ready for that. There are also some really lovely people and you're going to meet a whole lot of new people, make a whole lot of nice friends, but there will be some people that will ruin your entire day because reasons. But luckily,
0: yeah, luckily for me, I've had, I really haven't had experiences with, Bad customers. I, I I haven't had experience with people inquiring um, at all, really. It's
1: um, <laughs> because you don't list shit anywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of. I I've always wanted to be the guy that doesn't have to put anything up for sale, but somehow you sell the snakes. I think him. I am. I, I think I am on I, that path. I, I, I
1: think you achieved it, buddy. I, I mean, mean, I think, I think it's so. one of those. You're becoming one of those guys where it's like. People are like, I want to buy a snake from Eric Burke, and somebody goes, "Well, it's like it's a dark bar," and some dude's <laughs> like, "Eric Burke, you say? He's only legend. You might have to go to this one field in Philadelphia on this one night, and then he will arise, right. and he'll be like, Jay. Okay. <laughs> like, and that's
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah, it, um, it, and
1: that happens, and there are people who are like that, you know, and dude, I selling is can be mind numbing you're gonna have to deal with shows shows is another you gotta thing think, yeah. you, you might not want to deal with shows because that's something else is that you i have do not. people that are going to try to haggle with you on this stuff you have also people who you're going to be set up next to some people who might be dirtier and might ridden than i've had like that, that. It, yeah at tinley <laughs> exactly so that's something you have to deal with and, and yeah. decide if that's something you want to deal with you have to decide if you're gonna start doing wholesaling and things like that. If you have a bunch of babies and you know you're gonna want to offer yeah. those things, um, I sort also, of like
0: the idea of giving, uh, you know, working with uh, a shop, you yeah. know, like Riley yeah, yeah, has yeah. a shop, and yep. you know, we know,
1: um, Dennis's uh, friend down, Dennis, yeah. uh, uh, works with a guy who has a shop down there. Um, I know. A guy who has a shop in Jersey who buys a lot of my stuff. So, yeah.
0: Um, but working with them and sort of, mm-hmm. s- you know, being able to say, okay, here's – I have, you know. The,
1: uh, <laughs> that's the best part too because y- you, you now have these snakes and it's snake money without having to get the money out of it. <laughs> so, yeah. like, this guy – Is like, hey man, I'm gonna produce a clutch of 100 flower rat snakes. And I'm like, here's a box of coastal carpet. Can I have 100 flower rat snakes? Like, it's like that. You can, trades are awesome, dude. Yes. Like, so, yeah.
0: It's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. You know, especially when you're into, you know, um, if you have higher end animals Mm -hmm. and you want other higher end animals, it's easier to trade for higher end for higher end. It, it you know? really is. It's yeah. hard to trade for like a higher end. Like if, if all of a sudden Imbricata became available in the United States, I'm sure that they would be somewhat pricey and you're probably <laughs> not going to be able to say, well, I have this diamond coastal clutch. I was wondering if you'd be up <laughs> to trade. I have these, <laughs> I
1: have these, I have these bread, li- bread like Darwin, Jack Sims. <laughs> I'm going to pass. Yeah, like, that's probably it, not going to go. Like, listen, well. listen, you can, if if somehow the imbricata or as somebody who owned a reptile shop, yeah, you could probably get to a point where the amount of bread-like Darwins could equal one imbricata, but that's going to be a big box and a lot of babies. And yeah. I'm not sure if the shop's going to want all those. So, uh, but it's really cool to get that kind of stuff and establish those kinds of things. Um, and it's also fun to just, I mean, my My joy is hatching shit that I've never hatched before. So, I mean, I love hatching my baby carpets. I love seeing them every year and all the new stuff. But, I mean, dude, that these past couple years have been great. Like, you know, we're talking rhinos, we're talking olives. Yeah, we had mad hogs last year, and now I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? What hasn't bred in this room? (laughs) Like, what? Who can I focus on this year? (laughs) So, you want to hear something?
0: Yeah. crazy i think the akis are breeding
1: what? no <laughs> no that's the final line that keep you away from becoming a lizard breeder breeding the lizards <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: like you... oh uh, yeah i think so it's well, it's I've kind of crazy
1: once, i've heard once you set them up and they start breeding it's like having some sort of they're just machines they just like some people have had to separate their akis because they keep breeding too much
0: yeah yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's for another another episode. We're that's talking for Google the lizard carpet. breeding
1: episode, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's something you need to think about selling the uh, snakes, right? And and they might not sell. until Owen's point, mm-hmm. it may be a year before you get rid of them all, and you're gonna have to feed them for that year. Yeah. And you know, uh, carpet python, baby carpet pythons. Uh, I feed every two weeks during the you know the summer into uh, going into the fall. Yep. Um, and fourteen days is
1: fine. you know
0: hopper hopper size it's kind of what i do um once you go into oh here's a well never mind i'm not going to give that tip because then they're not going to be any
1: they'll know (laughs) the secret
0: yeah Uh, i'm going to give that tip to the patreons when we do the Patreon. that's right yes there we go yeah yeah so um Anyway, uh, once you get that going, I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, putting them out there that they sort of, you know, they, this is where the marketing side of things comes into play. This is where yep. if you have a YouTube channel, and you sort of do it. This is where coming on podcasts and talking about what you're breeding and whatnot. Facebook, um, this,
1: that, and the other thing. Um, and,
0: and we also yeah. did the thing, I'm just going to throw it out here, but the hashtag NPR. Hmm. Oh, so what yeah. was that? Was? Wait a minute. Hold on, it it was MPR. Sure
1: 2022 buddy posted which is fun because i'm going through i like i made that one i made that one <laughs> that one's mine like, yeah. I, like i actually still own that one so, so we'll, uh, yeah, okay, there you go
0: <laughs> hashtag npr 2022 breeding season yes uh if you do that on instagram and you post up to that um you know we'll be able to uh, see what okay, you got okay. going okay. on okay. the season, yeah. and hopefully help promote. And you know if you got something yeah. cool, whatever, you know it uh, will be cool. Uh, I like coastals.
1: Um, and uh, <laughs> if you are doing that, I think what you should do this year is take a picture. I think what you should do later is go take a picture of the Yakapuri depots and and hashtag them in there. Because <laughs> I mean that'll that'll draw some people to that. Yes. I mean, you know. The shame. it's a shame none of you are getting any of them They're hours oh, no.
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> there's only a select few that no, are. Able oh my god but that
1: thing is like i'm sitting here and i'm like man that would be fun man and i keep for- thinking i keep forgetting about all the shit that's breeding this year like the yakubre dipos i have to yeah. call dennis he has one of my maclots by <laughs> <life>. like, <laughs> yeah I, i'm like oh shit i haven't talked to him in a while like yeah. it's there's that kind of stuff where it's like, hey, you know, um, it's just going into the breeding season is just fun. But to, to your point of selling, you also then have to get to – you're going to have to do a shipping, which yep. if you've never done that before, that can be daunting. Luckily, yep. there are a lot of great shipping companies, Ship Your Reptiles, uh, Reptile Express, and they have videos on how to properly pack and set up an animal. Don't wing it. Yes. Pack. And if you're going to include a heat pack, anything below 40 hours is worthless dog shit. 40 hours is your minimum because if it's ever delayed, you want to make sure you've got 40 hours for FedEx to figure it shit out. Right. Okay? And establish this beginning that you only ship to the hub because then if you only ship to the hub, you only have customers that are okay with you shipping to the hub. Yes, I hate shipping to people's homes.
0: I used to hate
1: go to the hub. I hate it so oh, much.
0: I, I used to hate when somebody. So uh, probably the person that I buy from the most that it started that shipping to the hub was Ryan Young. Yeah. And when I would buy something from him, he would hold it at the hub, and I would yeah. be like, "God damn it! Now I have to drive to the hub." Now well, I would not.
1: I, I, don't, I don't have, have it any other way. Because, I don't have it shipped to my house. I ship right. it to my hub. The guys at my FedEx hub, which <laughs> yeah, if you are in my, if you're in my area, it, it, and because I've heard some of the other hubs in and around my area are uh-huh. kind of sucky, the right. Redding FedEx hub, they're a bunch of nice guys. They know what's going on, and if there's an animal involved, they see those packages and they bring them into their offices where they sit until you come pick them up. Right. Fantastic. Yeah people. So Five, get yeah. to know your people at the FedEx hub. They'll be, they'll take care of your shit.
0: Right. So, yeah, yeah when, when I did that, Owen said, well, this is the hub by you, 500 Maryland Drive, right? And, yep. like, yep. I go in there, and they're like, oh, it's the snake guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the, what's up, snake guy? <laughs> the one dude, I came walking in, and he's like, hey, man, you know, you're not, like, the only reptile dude that comes in here. He's like, he, he's like, you know, this, this guy and this guy. I'm like, yeah, I think I do. And they're like, hey, he ships geckos out of here. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. that's that's fine, and it's really good. Like we're we're beyond the days of having ship carpet pythons labeled as fragile computer parts. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's all right, you know. Um, so my, my one my one my one ex girlfriend used to make cookies for the people at the FedEx hub because then they would be nice to her packages and shit <laughs> like that. And I'm there like, you go. that makes sense. That's like, smart. It's fine. So you know, it's less daunting and less. Scary than it used to be, but it is still stupid still sucks. I hate yeah. it so much. Yep. But
0: there's certain windows where you shouldn't do it. But that's no. even another episode. All, all yeah. oh, dude, so We'll I mean, continue along with these uh, episodes. Episodes on, of but, horror. Yeah. Of,
1: yeah. Like, but the um, rough python shipped on Monday and arrived Thursday. I ooh, wasn't worried at all.
0: I was worried for you, man. I was. <laughs> why, I was.
1: Why do I have such problems? I was like, species? oh god,
0: <laughs> of all animals to be stuck. What is going on? <laughs>
1: It's it's like it's like the, if something were to happen, I'm just standing out in the middle of a field, just just looking in various directions. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I looked up in the sky and I said, "God, why, God, why are you doing this to Owen? Why do you do this to Owen? What have
1: what has he done to you lately? I don't understand.
0: Why have you forsaken me,
1: God?" Yeah.
0: Anyway. But uh, all good. It arrived. Everything is well. Oh, she's so. fine. She ate a yeah.
1: large rat, or sorry, small rat.
0: No, there you um,
1: go. Yeah.
0: So that will conclude the 2021 (laughs) breeding episode part two. Um, And I think, uh, I think we will hit on some of these other topics um, uh, like selling snakes. uh, We'll do a show for that. Um, Shipping snakes. We'll do a show for that because,
1: I, get, I want to get Rob on that. show. Let's get Michael because, Arnold on this show for the shipping snakes one. Yeah, and we can but, yell at him about what's wrong. <laughs> yeah,
0: we did do an episode with him. A, a, I know, but while, I didn't yell at him. So now yeah. we're gonna yell.
1: <laughs> like, right?
0: Uh, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I think is uh, is worthy of uh, another episode. But it really
1: is because um, some people might be heading into this for the first time, and yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it on this on the outside looking in. It looks easy. Yes. It's not, but no, it's totally worth it to get into it the right way. Yeah.
0: So hopefully uh, we wish you all the best of luck in the 2022 breeding season. And hopefully you hit those clutches that you, uh, you know, have been dreaming about and raising up these animals to, uh, to get to size and, you know um, yeah. So hopefully uh, people have some cool stuff uh, hatching out. I think that, I think it's a good time because I think the reptile market seems to be the strongest it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, seems to be growing. Um, you know, just God, I can't tell you like every day I meet more and more people that are into reptiles and like I, just people that I never would think would be into reptiles are, mm-hmm. you know, like crazy. Like my sister is nuts, man. She's <laughs> just nuts. Dude, oh, good. She's I, worse oh than God. you. Okay. Good. Uh, well, I guess the 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 you know, genetically we're all kind of the same, but between Usually, my yeah. my uh my dad getting back in the reptiles, my sister into reptiles, her husband's in the reptiles, it's just it's just ballooning. The successful enole
1: you know, just... successful enole breeder, your father.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh but uh but yeah, so there you go. Hopefully, uh like I said, wish you the best of luck and we will close it out and get the heck out of here. And uh we only got a few I think we got, well, basically we were a month away from the holiday show. So, with that, if you have some airing of grievances that you would like to share <laughs> with the NPR, please, please let crew, us know. <laughs> please email them to info at yep. uh, and we will read them on the air. On um, on air, we will yes. We will,
1: we will go we through your list some... of grievances as we're probably already just hammered out of our minds. Yes, we will, Which is we the
0: funnest. Just the best
1: part Part of of the year. (laughs) Yeah. We will go through your, uh, your, your lists as we, uh, we talk about the, uh, pending holidays with, uh, our friends and family that are on the podcast. And obviously we'll have some special guests. It's uh, a fun time.
0: Yeah. And, um, I uh, uh of course uh, we wouldn't be going into a new year without some uh, things uh, coming up that may be new. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, some some podcasts that didn't make the cut, some podcasts that are going to be in the works for 2022 mm-hmm. to add to the network. Can can you add
1: more? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <The> <laughs> answer that to that question Yes.
0: So. So yeah, it should, uh, should be cool. And um, yeah, I always like going into the new season. So yeah, we're always, we're off at the end of the year. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's coming quick, man. I can't believe how quick it is. So uh, which means I had a chop chop on the calendars and I've reached out to everybody. So if you're listening to this and you have not sent me your pick, please send it you're to the radio <laughs> so I can get these calendars done and put the rest and get them in, you know, Christmas stockings uh, yeah, for 2021. You know, uh, let's not have so, a repeat of
1: that one year where nobody got calendars till March. Yeah, like it was. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Uh, that was bad. Let's so, not do yeah. that again.
0: <laughs> so our website is morrillypythonradio and that's probably uh, where we're going to be selling the calendar from. Uh, yep. So you just go there, click on it, blah 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 blah. There you go. Uh, and uh, if you want to get in contact with us, info at morrillypythonradio dot com. Um, Uh, social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ray NPR network. Um, That's where basically all of the info about all the different podcasts that we have are going on. Uh, And uh, yeah, that's, uh, oh yeah. The Teespring store Yep, and the Patreon. um, I guess we're going to be doing one of them real soon. Uh, It's one of the uh, private chats with our patrons, uh, which is always fun. Um, yeah, cool. other than that
1: and That's all I got Yeah, and then check that out And then uh, obviously we got some shows Coming up too uh, Like we're we're vending uh, They added a couple shows in the area To like Hamburg because of White Plains still being shut down So I might be vending some of those If not, I'll see you at those zones in the area And that's all we got for everybody Tonight, so we'll say thanks all for listening And uh, we'll catch everybody back here Next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.